on dispensers of pets, poking out at the cons, renaissance fests, watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a trekking, <laughs> sit back and watch as the uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. And it's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. I can't do a credible Lon Lopez impersonation. This is the annual post-Comic-Con Cardiangelo <laughs> Earth 2 Podcast. So we're actually from another planet and another dimension. This is Editor-in-Chief Derek McCaw with, of course, Cardiangelo. Hello. Um, I never know. I always want to talk while Derek is talking, and I know that's probably the worst thing to do on a podcast. So. No, no, it's good reset. Haven't you? You've listened. We that's, argue all the time. We maybe, maybe that's the training that that is that is there. Is to get, that's oh, when Derek talks, that's when you're supposed to jump in well, and well, talk yeah. over. <laughs> we spend some time in a give and take, and give and give and take yeah. and take. So. And I think though this is the first time we're doing the podcast live from. Earth to Northridge, our new second location, which is Earth two two. Earth two two. Earth two two. It's also the the ballet planet, okay. as we've known. Oh yeah, this is the first time because how long have you had had this second location? We opened last uh, April, uh, so this is the second, only the second Comic Con. Um, right, and we did. We did the podcast last year. We did do the podcast last year from the Sherman Oak store because I do remember asking you what it was like to have Jeff Johns as a partner. Right, right. And that it was still kind of well, it was sure, very it was new. Still, it was it was a new partnership. So, right, uh, right. and so I, I really I think it's cool that you suggested this year we come out here to the uh, new store so we see the depth. What's the address on this new store so we can eighty nine eighty nine sixty seven Reseda Boulevard, uh, and that's just a uh, about a half a mile from uh, uh, CSUN Cal State Northridge. Yeah, so we're in actually Northridge. Yes. yes. So that's for anybody not here. To you, we're going to create. Uh, it's, it's like that Foursquare thing. We're going to create that these, these are the stopping points for comic book fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm in Earth 2. No, I'm in Meltdown. I'm in House of Secrets. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, no, that, well, that's the cool, you know, I mean, that, that, yeah, we were talking about Foursquare earlier, and I think, you know, we've been uh, talking to some, you know, you know, DC's mentioned it to us and, you know, re- retailers, Comics Pro, which is the Retailer Association, different, different things like that, um, as... You know how do we how do we use that kind of technology because that Foursquare is designed to get people to you know check in at certain locations mm-hmm. and get points and things mm-hmm. like that. So we part of the, I'm a DC nation here. I'm a Marvel zombie. Right. Um, yeah. That that could be very cool as we move into uh, various things. So let's uh, start with uh, some post con wrap up stuff. Of course, you've got a stack of books and you've and you've made your notes. But we'll start with the convention experience for Cardi Angelo. How how have you been with this? It was it was it was a, it was a fun show. I mean, I, I liked that the, the a lot of the big stories coming out of it really felt to be you know comics. I mean, that Walking Dead. You know, uh, you know if you go by the the buzz at the show, that there's no way that can't be a giant hit. You know, I know you know people are having. Uh, there's always a way. <laughs> Jonah Hex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, 125,000 people do not a hit show make. That's, you know, or, right, and uh, it can be a great, I, I have high hopes for the series. I'm right. just saying that, you know, we all got ex- get excited. Right. But then if nobody watches it. 
I think it, it feels like the buzz is there, and certainly we're seeing you know some of the the residual where you know people are um, talking about it and wanting mm-hmm. to buy the books or using the TV show or the movie. You know, when there's a TV show or movie adaptation, it's often a good jumping on point that prompts people yeah. into going. I've been looking at that book for. Ten years now, but I, finally... I, I definitely did. felt that, watching, that Walking by the Image booth, they should have just changed their name to We Publish Walking Dead. Right. That, that was it. All the other right. books were, like, on the back side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huge Walking Dead thing. And, oh, yeah. and here's the 50 other books we publish. Right. If you can go around and quietly... Right. Don't tell anybody you're buying yeah. something besides Walking Dead. Yeah. So Here's a little piece of turf for turf. And it was, <laughs> yeah, and it, which is not a good book. It's but a great it, book. And, and it, but the Walking Dead stuff was selling like crazy. I, you know, I never saw that booth not busy, and I never saw it without someone with a copy of Walking Dead, whether an omnibus or thing in their hand. So yeah, and and that the and the other big story was was Scott Pilgrim, you know, and that mm-hmm. buzz has also infected people. I mean, we've got you know the sales numbers on Scott Pilgrim Six even before the show have been incredible. You know, to the point that you know they've sold out essentially of their first printing. Um, of Volume 6. Of Volume 6. And I heard that they actually had more Volume 6 out there than ever were sold of Number 5. So, you know, it's, it's one of those weird phenomenons where, you know, I always go, last issue, great jumping on point. But, you know, the, but with something like Scott Pilgrim, where it is a serial, but I still think it's, you know, enjoyable and each piece is enjoyable in its own way. Mm-hmm. If you just picked up Volume 3, it's not like you would be you know, lost and right. Brian's very good at like doing little descriptions and you know, you know, mm-hmm. this is you know, you know, ex girlfriend who wants to be such and such. You know, he he really brings people up to speed. Um, but that people are whether it's they've read one through five at their friend's house and they want to buy six for themselves, mm-hmm. but just that there can be that much more demand for the the the, the final volume is is pretty crazy. And then with all the the movie stuff that was was there and the screenings, uh, you know, and I didn't get into the screenings. Did they end up with three screenings? In other That's words, what I heard. Two. That's I, what I heard. They kept adding, um, and we sent uh, for those listening. We did send Lawn to see it. Uh, Monday night, but up in San Francisco, and in fact tomorrow he's going to go. In, he's going to interview Michael Sarah and Brad oh, Ralph up in San Francisco. So excellent. Um, yeah, that was interesting, and, and I, I thought it was an interesting kind of cross promotional thing. Obviously, the movie big, dominating that that, that Hilton and the Scott Pilgrim experience across the street. Yeah, and I stood in line to to do the Scott Pilgrim experience at, with a, a girl who said like she hadn't actually read the books at all. Hmm. She was eager to, and it was right. her third time in line. Getting the T-shirt for the Scott Pilgrim because you could get a variety of different but options. Is she in, was she into the movie? I mean, was she without having without even having seen the movie? And I guess right. her, her older brother had read the books and wouldn't loan them to her because <laughs> uh, she loses things. Apparently, right, right, but I thought, right. you know, come on, you could go ahead and buy your own uh, <laughs> your own copy. There's nothing wrong with the family having two. And uh, but I just thought that was kind of interesting that people who on the basis of the sheer hype have gotten so excited because of perfect cross-pollination of right. a hip book, but a hip director, right. and the generation, couple behind us there, whatever we're calling them, generation at, uh, <laughs> their poster child of Michael Sarah. I mean, right, it's right. just it's a perfect storm of all these uh, late teens, early 20s people. Yeah, uh, and, and, appeal to them, so. and... And then in terms of the movies to come, that the excitement was about... Green Lantern and Avengers, you know, which mm-hmm. are, you know, I mean, Avengers obviously, in, the cast of Avengers includes A-list characters, but that idea, you know, we haven't had a Justice League movie, you know, the only mm-hmm. attempt was that silly, you know, you know, 80s or 90s, you know, TV 
half pilot. You know, if there's, I don't even know if they shot the whole thing. You know, it's just that weird. But it, it is finished. There, there's a whole movie. There is okay. an entire, uh, entire uh, plot. But at, but at the same time, that the idea of a Green Lantern. You know, when I was a kid, if they told me there's a Green Lantern in an Avengers movie coming out next summer, you know, in addition, or you know, two summers from now for whenever Avengers is going to be, you know, in addition to you know Thor and Captain America coming out next year. It, it, you know, it, it's a, uh, it really is a, a, you know, it's a dream come true, you know, I mean, again, mm-hmm. cause these aren't the, you know, you know, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, you, you know, kept, you, ex- you expect it, right. and you expect, oh, they're just going to keep driving, you know, they're just going to keep doing, you know, sequels, 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 and the idea that, you know, both companies are at this point where they're, they're, you know, presenting these, these characters in a, a fairly faithful way. Yeah, I thought interesting, um, two really interesting things that DC, or I shouldn't say DC, because Warner Brothers did, was, uh, on Green Lantern, was that Abin Sur's corpse, you hadn't seen, even in the Entertainment Weekly, there was like a blurry, very tiny shot, you couldn't see that, but that, that was the centerpiece of their booth. You could go and, and, and see him in, like, some kind of hyperbaric chamber, preserving the corpse, which was right. slowly ripped open. Right. It was a convention of gore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um and then a day after Comic Con is when. Wait, spoiler alert! Abin Sir's dead. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> but um, thanks for ruining the Green Lantern movie for uh, me. I ruined the first five minutes for you. Oh please, your partner is Jeff Johns. He's told you everything, hasn't he? You know it all. Yeah, I, actually, I always have to say this because, I, I, yeah. especially when someone says that publicly, Jeff is is perhaps the most discreet gentleman I have ever. Met I know I'm I, only teasing. I uh, swear to God, I'll, you know, <laughs> not, you know, if uh, I, I, I wish we, uh, you know, we we got like monthly, you know, a, a monthly annotated, you know, DC previews, you know, yeah. with like, oh, but here's what's really happening, and, yeah. and none of we get none of that. It's like we're, you know, reading, we're getting the same yeah. information. Everyone. But the interesting thing, the other interesting thing is they waited until after Comic Con and revealed the one sheet posters, the four one sheets right, for right. Green Lantern, which then showed you for the first time what Sinestro is going to look like. Right. I thought that was really interesting that they held off where they had everyone in the palm of their hand. Of course, it was the kind of thing where it was a que- someone would ask a question, is Kilowog going to be there? Yes, Kilowog's going to be there. Yay, praise Jesus! You know, right, you didn't right, need right. to actually show anything because, right. and, and clearly, whoever paid that small child to ask the question of, of Ryan Reynolds, what is it like to say the oath? Right, right. <laughs> it's just like... Oh, you know that's the that that's the meme. I mean that and and, and to Marvel the uh, bringing the Avengers out on stage right. is just like assemble. You don't even know what any of them look like, right? You know, <laughs> it's just that's what the actors look like. Right. That's you know the faces. But just that moment, you know, it, it was just that's why people go right. for the sensation of being in that room. Yeah, no, that's what makes it. That's what makes it electric. I mean, that's what makes it because the news. I mean, so much of what you are going to just find out, you know, oh, there's a new Batman series by Grant Morrison. It's very cool, but do you need to sit through an right. hour-long panel to get that info? The idea of being in the presence of these announcements, the, 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 Especially the fans when, feeling... Especially when not conference. a single one of those announcements for the Avengers was actually a surprise. Right, right. Jeremy Renner had already said for a year, oh, I'm, I'm going to be Hawkeye. We just got to right. work it out. Right. We knew Ruffalo was in negotiations. Right. Well, we didn't know. Right. But, you know, we... No, but the, it had been leaked. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. like there was, you know. But are there some people, that's the same, you say that, there are some people, though, who don't read everything. 
I mean, even you were saying you don't read the solicits because you don't yeah. want stuff spoiled for you in the comics. Right. And there are people who don't read the news site. So while, you know, out of the 125,000 people that were there, yes, m- you know, a lot probably were aware of the Ruffalo thing. Uh, I don't think anyone was expecting Ed Norton to walk out, but I, but I think... Which would have been shocking. Which would have been... <laughs> that would have really been a twist. And he uh, stabbed Kevin Feige in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... But I, I do think... Uh, that there are there are people who who probably did not necessarily well as, know. as I encountered people downtown San Diego that didn't even know there was a convention going on they didn't yeah, know yeah. what and, and I thought who are these people but but again bless them because it, it, we do get so as I've said on our, our podcast in Northern California often we get so steeped right and we are the people that spoiled ourselves we eat breathe and sleep these things and, right. and people like you are lucky enough actually that at least that's that sort of ties better into your day job uh, <laughs> you know people like you know it's a lot of distraction but um, to know that there are people that do go just to oh it is a revelation I didn't know that right. I didn't know you know what's or, this and or, a lot more discovery or even if there's a preserved innocence as you say they're not jaded to the point that even if they read it online it isn't real to them you know, it may be real to you or me. Well, if you know, so and so says it's Rich Johnston on their website, it must be. Or you know, yeah. I mean, I'm, I say, if Rich Johnston says it's so Mark, so. it's Mark Ruffalo <laughs> yeah. on his website, oh, it must be Mark Ruffalo because he wouldn't say it otherwise. Well, you know, it can go you know both ways. But then our so lack, of, we are just not surprised anymore. Right. There's still someone who's going, holy cow, he is here. It did happen. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 when I was still very like. Oh my! You know, it was right. just awesome to see it. Right. I, and I actually saw it on the YouTube video that somebody posted afterwards, but because well, I couldn't get into the hall, but it was still. And that's what that's what makes this also so viral is because you know every I think there was somebody some executive quoted in in Variety that my lovely wife Susan Avaloni pointed out to me because uh, I don't necessarily read Variety every day, but they do a lot of Comic Con coverage, and mm-hmm. one of the studio executives said, well. It's almost like each one of those people at Comic-Con is a thousand people because of all the people that they're going to reach with their enthusiasm, with their videos, with their emails, you know, and that's the, it's not just about getting those 125,000 people into a movie theater or to watch a TV show, but right. it's that this is a birthplace for for the uh, for the marketing and the birthplace, you know, it's a, it's a large test market. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they showed something on Walking Dead or anything and it didn't work, we you know... Well, well, people would go, Ugh, and not only that, they would then be going, okay, we got to re-edit this, we got to fix this up, we mm-hmm. got to come up with a better trailer, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I'll say, you know, Green Hornet had a lot of publicity there. They had the the black car, the black beauty uh, sitting but I can't in the think plaza. Of anybody actually having talked about it? No one was talking about it, as opposed to say something like I think the other like sort of non-comics movie that was the star. Uh, and and forgive me, everyone. I st- I'm still debatable whether Green Hornet is, is actually like a comic book character. Or I mean, he's, he's well, in comics now. Yeah, well, but, and he was adapted to comics, but he was a radio. Right. Yeah, radio and, and, and I just sort of think though that that it gets it gets lumped in because it's easy to lump it in, and because there's a current you know because comic book series. Essentially but, a mystery. Man. But I think Green Hornet is just one of those where people don't know what it is. It doesn't have a strong enough mythology. You know, and because and, it is kind of, some of it is kind of derivative. Well, well, and, and the best idea. Well, it seems they are using the best idea in the movie of hey, let's become criminals ourselves. 
You know, right. that if you think the Green Hornet's a, the Green Hornet's more effective if you think he's a criminal, mm-hmm. um, that's a great idea. That's a great idea for a series. I think that would have been a great idea if someone wanted to do it as a TV series. Which I think, they did once. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. And that's the interesting thing to me is hearing all these people claiming to be these purists that say, oh, they're never going to top what the series is. And, and to me, I'm thinking now in 2010, well, who's seen that? It's not available on DVD. No. It's, I think I may have seen... Ten minutes of one once as a kid when I and and, and even the, the the Adam West crossover with him the crossover with Colonel Gum yeah uh, the villain who tried to turn them into giant stamps, stamps. yes uh, I still don't know how they got out of that trap I mean they were stamps and then they just were standing behind the stamps I don't get it <laughs> <laughs> well next year we'll arrange for a therapist to come in and we'll work these things out uh, <laughs> well say but 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 Green Hornet I would say is something that clearly. And again, a lot of people, people who are aware of how the movie industry works, you know, what I kept hearing is people going, yeah, but they moved it to January. You know, and that's a sign, you know, that... Well, that, it is to me. I mean, yeah. and we've talked about that. And when they did make it 3D, and yet I want to have hope for that film, because I like the property. But the other thing is that I can't remember who I, I was talking to. I was, I think I might have even been in dinner with somebody who said, ask me, so who is... Oh, no, I'm sorry, it was Monday night with some some friends. There's a Green Hornet and the Green Lantern, and oh, Ryan Reynolds was the Green Hornet. That's what one guy said. Right. And then explaining, green was just a very popular color in the uh, 30s and 40s. And green Llama. Yeah, that's what I said. Where it said, and someday we'll get the Green Llama. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but we'll get Green Arrow first, and he's there on Smallville. Right. But, I mean, I think there's all the greens actually in people's mind are confused. I, You know, my wife, the lovely Susan Avalone, uh, has often... Confused the Green Hornet and the Green Lantern just in, in a conversation. By the way, life. when Carr says that, a little TM shows up <laughs> at the end of it. It's, it's, a, it's weird to see it. Yeah, she's a registered oh, trademark. Do I need to say that? Uh, Carr's wife, the lovely <laughs> Susan Avalone. Okay, I'm going to do that. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's, uh, yeah, I think there's just a little bit of, of, of market confusion there. What, and in terms of the rest of the world, one of the most interesting things that happened for me is I did a. Um, at about ten o'clock on Saturday night, when I was ready to go, you know, drinking and partying in the in, in the bar with friends, because it's sort of we didn't really stay Sunday, so it's kind of the end of the show mm-hmm. uh, for me. I got a call from my favorite radio talk show host, Mark Germain, who does an overnight show on Saturday nights. It's, that's national. It's on ABC in New York and LA and across the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, you want to talk about Comic Con? And we took a couple calls from you know callers. And the first guy who called said, "So, is there? You know, my wife and I. My wife and I are big fans. We each have our favorite character. We're wondering, is there going to be? A, is there any movie news on Green Lantern or Wonder Woman? And this is like the week. Green Lantern's on the cover of Entertainment Weekly, and this guy in Pennsylvania yeah, who's I, listening to the radio. Maybe he should watch TV or something. No. <laughs> but he. Well, you know, that he, radio is brown, by the way, and shaped in sort of that bullet thing." <laughs> And, and after your show, he turned to listen to Little Orphan Annie. It's, it's, but it's still his Farnsworth on it. And, and he's got his his decoder ring because he had his cup of oval no, but, but yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe he was asking about Alan Scott, Green Lantern. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, it was surprising and that... No one goes to Kyle. That's sad. But anyway, go ahead. Now, I don't know if the... You know, I don't think it was a set-up call. I mean, in the sense... You know, but I don't know if the guy was... The guy may have been wanting to feed. I don't know if the guy was really sincerely asking. Maybe he wanted to feed me, you know, the 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 you know feed me something mm-hmm. to talk about because he knew there would be something to talk about, um, you know. Uh, but he he was. But when I said, "Well, there's a Green Lantern movie next summer," he was like, "Oh my God, really?" And it, that was, you yeah, know. Fun. And I thought the interesting thing, and 
that I haven't heard if if Jeff, who was the one who was tweeting a lot before, you know what I mean, Jeff Johns, like like he and I are friends, like I say Jeff, no, Mr. Johns, uh, <laughs> uh, CCO, Jeff Johns. Uh, CCO, that's what we call him. Yeah. Okay. So CCO, He's also CCO of Earth 2, by the so way. WBCCO. Uh, had promised kind of, I mean, I know that they showed the Blue Beetle test footage, right. and that showed up on the web this week, which I was grateful to see, and very excited, and confirmed my thoughts that Alex Winter from Bill & Ted's Excellent Venture, who has a great sensibility for doing live-action children's science fiction, uh, had directed that. I was really thrilled to oh, see okay. that. So it's like it's like the Ben 10 live-action movie. Right. I, I thought he did a great job on oh, those. Cool. Yeah, yeah. He did a, a Blue Beetle series for Cartoon Network. That'd be awesome. But one of the things that we promised were, was Flash news mm-hmm. and uh, Wonder Woman news, and though I didn't really get out of the convention a uh, sense of any of that really coalescing or becoming clarified in any way. Then I think you missed what it really was. Then that tell the, me. The, the news that it was, re- it was about the new costume for Wonder Woman, and it was basically news that she would no longer be flashing. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Trying to work in a joke I got about it, Wonder no. Woman's <laughs> Because uh, I know there was still the one DC panel I attended. People are going, why are you dressing her like a soccer mom? And, and Dan was like, what? What soccer mom looks like that? Well, obviously there's someone from L.A. <laughs> oh, clearly. The rest of the country believe us. Believe me, we still think she's sexy. Yes. Um, even in slacks. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a yeah, it's a uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's interesting because I've, I've you know we hear you know both sides. I must you know. say, brilliant construction on the joke. I'm sorry, I was just a little tired. <laughs> well yes. done, sir. Well done. Excellent joke construction. It just wasn't funny, <laughs> funny, but it was well constructed. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. It's a fool. Um, <laughs> His Majesty is like a stream of. Oh, I almost got a spit from <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, you almost. That was going on your Macintosh. Yeah, so be careful. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Look, I think the news that did. I mean, it wasn't related specifically to Comic Con. I think there was certainly that quote unquote commitment. You know, during the Warner Brothers stockholder call or whatever, mm. uh, a few maybe months ago or weeks ago. I can't exactly remember. Uh, it might have been the end, whatever the end of the last financial quarter was. But there was a. Um, you know where that's where it leaked that you know they were definitely where where they were name checking you know the the head of Warner Brothers was name checking Flash as mm-hmm. one of our you know right our, our sort of next level of, mm-hmm. of of character and I think still some conversation about Shazam but uh, yeah I, I think I think Shazam is a very accessible movie I think Wonder Woman yeah I'll be honest and say I mean I would love to see a Wonder Woman movie I mean who wouldn't I it, it, the good news and bad news of these characters is they have so much mythology and so many years. And there's and you think about what is their prime thing. Now, Captain America, obviously, you start Captain America in World War II, you know, because that also then directly leads into the Avengers. Wonder Woman, I think partially because of the Linda Carter show, it almost, you know, and there was a script that was floating around that I think got, you know, uh, I think it, it got the writers a job on something else. Uh, but they yeah, some writers who wrote some spec yeah. script setting her in, in, in World, World War II. II. It, I mean, it may screw up any plans they want for Justice League or may have to create a new mythology for, you know, for, for, for Wonder Woman. Oh, but she is immortal. I mean, but she, she is can immortal. Get, which is what they did on the series. You can, you can do, you know, again, on the it'll, TV series. Yeah, right? and you yeah. can do the same kind of thing. You can, she came into man's world, she fought the war, she goes away, she comes back in, you know, whenever you want. I mean, because all these, these, um, all of these mythologies, 
you have so many different stop and starting points. I mean, even if you're doing the Flash, I mean, obviously, Flash Rebirth and what Jeff is doing now in the Flash rebuilds the, the Barry Allen mythology so a movie doesn't have to be about the world's most boring police scientist getting hit by lightning. Mm-hmm. You know, he's trying to, you know, there are elements that they're, they're intro- in- introducing. And clearly when Marvel did Iron Man, I mean, the smart thing was taking, you know, taking the Vietnam origin, updating it to a modern mm-hmm. war, but also including the, per- the personality of Tony Stark, though, that was built over 30 years in the comics, mm-hmm with the demon in a bottle stuff and the party guy stuff and all those things that weren't... And by shorthandedly cut, uh, casting Robert Downey Jr. Of I course. Mean, that was a brilliant right. move. Right. he owns his past. It ties in. Exactly. You, you, you identify the personality of the actor and the experiences of the actor with the character. And yeah, it gives it immediate... And thing. I have to say, I, I also love, because it ties back to Comic-Con, right. is that I absolutely love how Robert Downey Jr. Right. is so excited to be Tony Stark and is, and I, I pointed out to somebody today... Uh, online, that he in that press con, oh, not in that panel, behaved like Tony Stark would, and immediately took over <laughs> and announced everybody else. And he is the spokesperson for Marvel movies. It right. is really fascinating right. to me that he behaves exactly as his character would, right. because you know Iron Man's not going to let Captain America speak first, right. it, you know, and he's going to be put, and which he did. He literally pushed. Samuel <laughs> Jackson out of the way right. and took over the microphone and right. went, don't anybody stab Amy in the eye until I'm done. <laughs> and it was just... And I love that yeah. because I've, it's a match of personality. And for, and for a team movie, I mean, you don't want to make the mistake. Because I think even in the X-Men movies, and there were very good X-Men movies, I don't feel like we ever got those scenes of teeminess. If that's, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. try, I'll be like, Stephen Colbert, and I'll make up the word, teaminess. Well, fine, teaminess. Yeah, okay, yeah. You know, we're, we're I mean, you have Professor X, because there's there's more of a dichotomy in the X-Men where it is like stu- the student-teacher thing. Mm-hmm. So it really is, you go do this, you go do that, and there's the big fight scenes, but there isn't the... We never saw the baseball game, the picnic. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing, where yeah. they had really bonded into the family. Or the sense of, like, even like the organizational kind of thing. When you think of the Avengers, and you think of Justice League, you hope one or both of those movies have the sitting around the conference table and, you know, bickering and, you know, whatever the, the daily the daily business is, you know, because that's what because that's something we mm-hmm. you know you know, we remember, at least you know, I do you know, from like the you know, I always think of the George per, you know, for Avengers, you think yeah. of the great George Perez shots of the big round table, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and everybody sitting around it and you know, uh and, and all of that. Yeah. So, uh, any other highlights for the con for you? The big highlight for me is uh, is is uh, something I would call the color purple. Uh, the the <laughs> you're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. But the, 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 I, I don't. <laughs> the twin takeover. Two villains took over Comic Con this year: Galactus and Starro the Conqueror. Ah, yes. And you couldn't walk the floor without seeing like thousands of people in the Galactus helmets. Man. Which Hasbro, I think, was giving out because they're the Marvel license. Yes, they were getting and Mattel for like Burger King crowns. You had to construct them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you did have to put them together. They came in like a flat or yeah, you came in a flat and then you. That's probably why I didn't get one because I'm not handy. Oh, (laughs) but your wife, the The lovely lovely Susan Avalone. Trademark. She is handy, so she could have constructed that. She she might have. She would have. She's crafty. She would have been able to do that. Um. Right now, she is knitting you a... a, a knitting a me a Galactus helmet. helmet at home, even as we speak. Uh-huh. And then Starro. And yes. Starro. And, and, and the Starro mask. And, again, 
the thing that that struck me when I think about uh, I had a lot of thoughts about this, so 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 bear with me. But I will. I will presume people have seen the movie Inception or know what it's about, but I'm not going to spoil anything about Inception. But but there is something I think it's even in the trailer of Inception. But just the 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 concept strange to say it's a concept, but that how an idea is viral, how an idea can take hold and mm-hmm. spread and change the world. Like a starfish. Like a starfish, like a a devourer of worlds. It's fascinating to me that these are basically 40 or 50 year old ideas. You know, when Jack Kirby first drew Galactus and Stan Lee first said, I want a big guy to, you know, whatever the plot said. Yeah. Big guy stands on the building. Who knows what it said, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, but whatever... But Jack Kirby created this image of Galactus that has provided so many great stories, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, down the line. At that time, we have to also remember about the old comics is there were not really recurring villains. That was something that, you know, I mean, Doctor Doom was probably, you know, the Joker for Batman was a big recurring villain. Most of the other villains did not recur until the Batman TV show mm-hmm. made them, you know, well, now we're going to do Riddler stories. The Riddler only had appeared a few times before the yeah. the, the TV show. Um, Two-Face, we were talking the other day, only had a few appearances, uh, and because he wasn't on the TV show, really wasn't revived until, you know, um, late 60s, Danny early O'Neill, 70s. Yeah, Denny O'Neill really and Neil that. Adams. And then Denny O'Neill did some, did, you know, put created Arkham, which put all the you know villains in one place, and I think that's um, where we started, you know. And then Two Face became, uh, you know, and with Galactus, the story of Galactus is set up that he can never come back. Reed Richards makes a right. deal with him: you're never going to come back. I'm going to use the ultimate nullifier on you, and right. and he didn't really come back until I think it was like issue. Oh, he kind of shows up in like the late seventies or something like that. So maybe he showed up like three years. Uh, but after Stanley stopped writing it, no, no, he did show up in a Stan Stanley. I, I okay. think he is in. I think there is a a, a Kirby and Galactus story. A, a, you know, but I don't think they're on. But they're not on Earth. I think they're on. They go off to some other planet and encounter Galactus there. Mm-hmm. So it's you know. It, it, so they kept true to their original story, but they brought mm-hmm. back a popular character. And then I think he comes back to Earth. With Richard Nixon uh, in the White House, because there's, there's a cover where Richard Nixon's on the phone, like, "Holy cow, it's Galactus!" Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, that's like you know, 1972 or something yeah. like that. So you know, th- there was a lot of time, and then Roy Thomas did a great uh, Galactus story, you know, in the mid 70s. But in you know, in 15 years, the character appeared four times, you know, kind kind of thing. And now, of course, you know, all the guys who grew up on those stories bring those characters they have back, their back, back. Right, right. And Star and when those, but Kirby had to create a new villain every issue. You know, Ditko had to create a new villain every issue. And when there was a good one like Green Goblin, but even Green Goblin was designed to kind of have an arc and an end to the story. Mm-hmm. But was such a good character, they kept bringing him back. And then they killed him, and they kept bringing him back. You know, so right. so so they were trying to create new things all the time, not just go, well, we've got the Green Goblin, so he can be in every other issue. Starro is in the very first. He's not the first Justice League villain because he's not in the origin, but he's in the first Justice League story in Brave and Bold 28, which, when we were talking about this, I discovered that, oh my God, somebody uh, for my birthday once did give me like this ripped up copy. I know, of, and I did take a photograph of you it. You did, okay. <laughs> with the Starro toy, and I sent it to my friend Rick and said, you know, and he said, you did remember to slip that in my box too, and I said, right. you know, I would never betray. And, uh, and, and he, wasn't, he wasn't purple then, but in, in, in terms of... Starro really also just made me think about this, how, how an idea grows, because um, may, may I point to a... <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, we're going to a new segment in the annual podcast. 
And if Carr ever travels to Northern California and is there on a Wednesday night, we could we could bring him back sporadically. But at least it's an annual event. We now present a dramatic reading by Carr D'Angelo of Carr D'Angelo. It's like an audio book now. Go ahead. And and where where's this excerpt this, from? This is from Comic Books 101 by Chris Ryle, who's the publisher of uh, IDW, IDW, and Scott Tipton, who does the Comics 101 website and writes some of the great Star which Trek is comics. Allied, which is allied with, which is allied uh, with Earth, Earth 2. Two. Yes. Uh, they're all, we're all friends of Earth 2. Uh, and they put this great book together about, that was just about the fun of collecting comics, and they asked me to write some stuff about um, Justice League, which has always been my favorite series, partially because it's where Earth 1 and Earth 2 kept meeting over and over, you know, mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. The Flash. And um, and I looked this up, and I was asked, you know, they, they had a series of questions to ask, and one of them was, what is the best cover? So, um, oh, I want this in the, in the tone that you gave me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so here we no go. No listening out on this. Okay, go ahead. Justice League of America, the best cover by Carr D'Angelo. Justice League of America 190, May 1981. They don't call him Starro the Conqueror for nothing. The hero's faces are covered by this mind-controlling purple starfish. A creepy, haunting image by Brian Bolland. Definitely an issue where the cover is so much better than the story inside. Thank you. I am... (laughs) Um, uh, are you are you are you moved? I moved. I okay. moved. Uh, my eyes are moistening, okay. and uh, no, it, it's uh, and and that is the, the. I mean, it's you know. I think they did a Brian Bolland um, portfolio, and mm-hmm. I'm guessing that, I don't know if this cover was in there. It should have been if it wasn't, but it, it was. You know, it was a not a great period in Justice League comics. It was. Mm. You know, Perez was doing issues on and off, but he didn't do this one. Jerry Conway was writing, and... And Jerry Conway came up with Justice League Detroit, so everybody kind of, you know... Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it was just a kind of, you know, it it would... The book had just, I think, lost some of its steam at this point. Bring Starro back. This, I think, was probably the first return of Starro after, you know, you know, after 20-plus years. Mm -hmm. And this image was great. But my recollection is it was not that that, that image that that must have been a creation of Brian Bollins because it's not in the story where people are or it's not significantly in the but story. But you look at that cover and it is absolutely arresting. Oh yeah, it's like oh my god, what happened? Now for those who don't have that book on hand, like we do, uh, we don't really, but we but we did see it. The uh, you show where were we looking at that on online? I guess I looked up me? online. There's a DC Comics database. And, um, uh, it's the cover where all the superheroes are in front of, I mean, citizenry basically, yeah. and it's just as far as the eye can see, people with starfish, starfish on their face, on their including face star, all the Justice League. Right, and star, yeah, Superman's forefront. You know, when yeah. Superman see the S on the chest and the thing on the face, and this was, I mean, again. What was he inspired by? Probably the face hugger because this is how many two years after Alien, mm-hmm. right? And Alien was like seventy nine. Yeah. Uh, so it, that's you know probably the ins- inspiration. Are you telling me that Starro in that first appearance, which I actually have never read, he's uh, not purple. Well, he's not purple. <laughs> I know that. I, I got that. But you know what? Neither you know the Hulk w- wasn't green. He does first. not. Cr- oh, he's purple on the inside. Oh, okay. Well. Purple on Aren't the we all purple on the inside? But does he not actually use the little face things? And then there are no little face things. He just floats around and he's, being a conqueror. Okay, he's a, he conquers. He has no little star. That is fascinating. He has no spores, 
And and that's the cross pollination of uh, of popular culture because you you'd be right. That right. Well, and then Grant Morrison when he I think did a Star story in his JLA run JLA run in the nineties used the idea that was on the cover and made it you know that he's mm-hmm. creating spores and now that's become part of the Starro mythology as mm-hmm. you said you said recently you thought Starro became anthropomorphized but that they well that we've never actually seen Starro before now now he's this huge guy who had beaten. Right. Starfish. Oh, okay. And sent them out into, or what, if you want to call them starfish, you know, he's, but he sent them out throughout right. the galaxy, testing planets and conquering them, and, right. you know, if you're really good, you didn't well, and, have and, one. and this kind of stuff, when I see this, I go, where did somebody come up with this idea? You know, Gardner Fox, or, you know, and, and uh, you know, who's it? My, did Mike Sikowski have to, have to draw it? Did Mike but, yeah, okay. but, you know, these guys are coming out of all the, like, you know, the science fiction, you know, twist stories, you know, mystery in space kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and that's all they were coming up with was like, you know, um, you know, and he probably was on a beach vacation, and was like, okay, I need something giant. It could be a giant uh, clamshell. No, that's not going to work. It could be a giant uh, scallop. No, that's not going to work. A giant starfish. Hey, yeah, <laughs> that might just work. And, you know, when they were just, they needed stuff to throw against the wall and see what, right, and, right. And see what, what stuck. And now that it goes to the next level where Brave and Bold decides to make it an arc. The cartoon show Brave and Bold decides mm-hmm. to make it an arc for the season, mm-hmm. where they're doing these little teases with that image. And oh, now that was fantastic! And now, and now they've turned it into a toy that they make the then the promotional mask and the little you know uh, pods, you know, making those the 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 centerpiece of their convention promotion. It's mm-hmm. you know it, 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 it's it's amazing because you know yeah Gardner Fox and Mike Sikowski did not you know. You know, saw this as a disposable ten cent comic. You know, um, you know what's it? This is from 1959. Mm-hmm. Uh, not oh. March 1960. It's from 1960. So I it should is. have known that. I have a shirt that says that, I, <laughs> <laughs> which I wore on Sunday, and everybody stopped me. Well, Great shirt, and I had to stop and read it. Uh, right. Keith R. A. De Candido. Who oh I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Farscape. Sure. He actually got out his iPhone and had to take a picture of the shirt. Cause I said wow. I bought it 20 years ago at, wow. at a Warner Brothers store. Oh and yeah, I'd yeah. Never seen anybody else with it, and so he says, "That's great." And took the picture, you know, to say. And like, I've never had that reaction. See, and I, I would like to see. I mean, you know, they're doing these anniversary covers. This would be a great one to to, see, to, to for someone to do as an anniversary cover, a modern mm-hmm. uh, in, in, interpretation. Yeah, and but it's interesting. You said, which is uh, an issue I was going to bring up. I think we've kind of. Transitioned out of the con, and that's sure. okay. And the issues that you that we see here is uh, right now. You're gonna have to even tell me what the heck the name of the X Men event is with Dracula, with the death of Dracula, Curse of the Mutants, Curse of the Mutants, where um, I think it was Rich Johnson pointed out the worst marketing ever, where it says the poster says, "How bad is it?" <laughs> and shows them and I'm like, "Yeah, if you really hate the X Men, uh, it is really bad." But the thing is that it's getting treated, it's exactly the same kind of thing as you say about Star these throwaway things where right. I realized there was something about vampires and X-Men. Oh, yeah, it's a what-if issue. Oh, yeah, they already fought Dracula. Why, right. you know, and, and, and we, I'm, I guess I am finally getting old enough to, or, or smart enough, I was, I've long been old enough, <laughs> smart enough to realize everybody's going to tell their variation on the same plot idea. As they go through and they cycle through, who haven't we? You know, what haven't we done? Let's let Dracula go or vampires go rampant through. You know, my the mind X-Men. is just like blanking out, and I just want to read more stuff in a funny voice. But <laughs> go ahead, do it. 
Uh, we yeah. shall now assume for Look, in, indeed. I, I, you know, I always we always try and I always like to be sort of positive about things, and, and it, you know, but I can speak about the reaction, and people will hear the sales figures, and they'll know the sales figures. It seems there's something not. First of all, they had Second Coming, which is this really big event, and I think it was from a marketing point of view and from. The, mar- the the customer reaction that I've seen, I think it was hard to overlap those so quickly mm-hmm. because you do need to have a breather. You can't go from, you know, I mean, 52 wasn't an event, you know, was a was basically a breather, after, designed to be a breather after Infinite Crisis. It's mm-hmm. like, we're going to jump ahead a year, now we're going to just, you know, go in and, oh my God, you know. You have in the X-Men stories this big second coming event, everyone's very excited, you want to go, okay, what's next? You introduce X-Men number one, and it's X-Men versus vampires. Right after Necrotia, which was sort of X-Men and, and zombies, zombies. Which they've already had a Marvel Zombies, and you had yeah, Black... And, yeah, and, and, Necro- you know, and Necrotia, and that's why it was also hard to gauge, from you know a retailer point of view, it was hard to gauge Second Coming, quite honestly, because Necrotia was popular, but didn't really move the needle like a large amount. You know, where like... You know, uh, it didn't feel like something was so shocking. Let me put it this: it, it, nothing in there seemed so shocking that I became aware of it. I don't read the X Men right. books anymore. Right. But if something happens, like but things happen in Second Coming that everybody knows about and make yeah. people come back to the story. When they killed Nightcrawler, yeah. Lon made a point of saying that was your favorite X Man who never died. Right. Here you go. Ah, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, no. No. We have. A, I have a friend who's a, who's a customer who is a a you know who's a Nightcrawler fan. I mean, who's like you know you know the guy has. Anything you know, pull, if Nightcrawler is in it, pull it. You know, yeah. uh, you know, and and it was sort of like, I felt like I was breaking the news to him that a friend of his had died. You know, when he was sort of like, mm-hmm. um, I haven't been in in a few weeks, and someone said, "Is it?" You know, I'm like, is it true? Yeah, I'm like, dude, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but yeah, you know. But uh, for three months, you're not gonna uh, have to spend quite as much money. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If it's a good, good, you know, if you or, but you know, so I think that the X Men one launch. You know, when you put out something called X Men One, I mean, the last time that happened, they had Jim Lee drawing the mm-hmm. thing, and and and, and no, no slight against the the talent they have, but they're not at the, the Jim Lee level. They're, they're not. They're not at the Jim Lee level. They're not marquee names. And I think in this environment, there's some really good books. I mean, Astonishing uh, Spider Man Wolverine is a really cool book with great art. You know, great story by Jason Aaron. Great uh, art by uh, by uh, A. Cubert. A. Cubert, <laughs> I can never remember. I think it's Andy. Um, I hope so. Uh, you know, and it, and it, and it's a really cool book. But you know, sometimes Marvel puts out so much stuff that even their most diehard fans have trouble seeing what's you know the good from the bad. You know, and mm-hmm. they try to say, oh, this astonishing line. I guess they're sort of you know that you know maybe it's comparable to the. It's not even really comparable to the All Star line. I mean, it really feels like it's you know it's really good Marvel team ups. So far, you know, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then they tied in Astonishing X-Men Xenogenesis to the quote-unquote Astonishing line, but you know, it, you know, there, it's it's the, the the marketing aspect of it isn't hitting on all fours because you know when Astonishing X-Men 35 and 36 or whatever it is haven't mm-hmm. even come out yet, and then Astonishing X-Men gets relaunched with the same writer and a different mm-hmm. artist again, it's sort of like. But I want to finish that story before I start that. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, hey, kids, you don't have to read those next two issues to understand what happens. And, well, then it's kind and, of and, the whole and thing. that's what happened kind of with, with James Robinson on Cry for Justice and, um, and Justice League. 
You right. got a Justice League issue that told you every consequence right. of Cry for Justice. There was a wrap-up, yeah. Halfway through the actual Cry for Justice series. Well, yeah, I think it was. there were two issues left. It was a scheduling thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, and, and I know they're sitting there editorially going, well, what's better? Do we do two fill-in issues, essentially, of Justice League to kind of keep the water paddling? We really can't take off Justice League for two months. Right. But, obviously, the artist, you know, didn't deliver on... Yeah. Unschedulable. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's it's things like that do have a. You can't always point to exactly where the sales impact is, but the overall, it, but it adds to the malaise and fatigue because it, it because I think the the readers I know I want to feel this way, but the readers really want to feel that all the the creative people care, and no one's you know questioning if they do, but when things come out out of order, it feels like. It it feels like the publishers are saying, well, it doesn't matter, right? And it and it does matter. It does matter that you're telling old man Logan, and then you get to, oh, it's not going to be in the next issue anymore. I mean, you know, it's yeah, trying to explain yeah. where the last part of old man Logan to people was 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 a full time job. Yeah, and it is hard to get I think new readers in on that. Uh, I because if somebody walks into a into a store and they and they just heard about this cool story, right. You know, um, you can find it in Wolverine '66 through '71 or whatever it is, and then oh, but then you're gonna have to find something called Wolverine Old Man Logan Special. Right, and there's so many times when I I have watched it at uh, Anna's store, at Elusive Comics and Games, 275, Elkmanner House, we 104, uh, <laughs> TM. Uh, <laughs> that uh, you know, I've often been in there when a woman will walk in and say, "My son loves Wolverine." Yeah. What do I get him? Right, and I go, you know, which show me the show me the Wolverine book, you know, right. like the latest issue of Wolverine. I go, and I'll walk over and say, and which of these seven right. do you think? Nah, you don't want that one because that's gross, and that's not really Wolverine. That's right. Dakin, right. and that right. you know, and it's it's confusing. This is not the Wolverine you're looking, looking for. for. There we go. Oh and yeah, let's assume old British actor voice. <laughs> that um, would make us like the star of Chuck Brown. <laughs> Zachary, I'm sorry that I didn't get to interview you, but um, I will certainly be telling that story for the rest of my life uh, until we become friends, because we will now. Just, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, out of the con, I will say one other comics thing for Marvel is, the, and we talked about stories from way back when, is that Mark Wade's going to be doing uh, a five-issue, I think, miniseries. Oh, the Captain America thing. What, 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 Captain is, America. what is that? Yeah. Well, explaining now that if Captain America was thought out, it couldn't have been in the early 60s, so it had to have been. It's it's putting cap, caps coming out of the ice in a fixed... In a, Is that what moving it's called, Captain America coming out? I think it might have. It's something really bad. No, no, no. no, uh, no, unfrozen. no, it's, no yeah, unfrozen. No, I mean, it's not unfrozen. Thawed? I don't no, know. No, I thought... Uh, no, I actually... No, it had a title that didn't tell me that. It was like... it was Captain America Fish Sticks? No. No. Okay. Oh, come on. I'm more, I, God, now Mark's going to hate me. Um, no, I, I mean, I like that idea, because that's something that I've been saying to people a lot that's interesting about Captain America is, you know, the, the um, it's like Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer, you know? Yeah. I mean, that you know, I'm so confused by your modern ways. I mean, here's a guy that, that honestly, if you look, and this, because this is my concern about the movie, I'm very concerned. If the movie gives us one adventure that ends with probably... You know, uh, Red Skull substituting for the for Baron Zemo, and 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 the movie ends with with Cap basically losing. You know, yeah. winning perhaps by setting off the the you know 
maybe winning in one way, but losing by dying, seeming to die, and losing Bucky. Um, spoiler alert! <laughs> no, I, I honestly think this movie will, will will end with him thawing out. But no, but 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 to get him to thawing out, it has to end. It has to. I mean, but do you think we'll see the scene? Are we going to see the scene in the Captain America movie that is in the in the you know the '60s Captain America ret, retcon origin of he goes off on a buzz bomb and and lands in you know you know lands in Antarctica? Mm-hmm. If we see that scene in the movie, I'm saying if if Captain America's first adventure is the movie, and it ends with that sequence, and then leads I mean if the '40s sequence ends with that sequence, I'll put it that way, and he comes out of it. That means basically he's a guy who had one adventure. He had one adventure in World War Two. That 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 that, no, he, that, he, that he messed real, up. That's a really good point. That he messed fact, up. He's supposed to be the best soldier, but he messed up. And then he will then within two weeks he will have been in the he will have been Captain America in the present day more than he was Captain America in the forties. That's a very interesting point, and as you were saying that I'm thinking, no, the smart thing is to begin the Avengers movie with that, with the sequence of that, his losing, I, I I agree. You you begin the because Avengers then you can with, have as many Captain America solo films, right? Set in World War right. Two, right? Or you do you you know, you know, or you have to make the thing at the end, you know, the after the credit sequence, you know, you know, not make it too long, but you have to have the Captain America adventure of the first movie and then cut to sometime later. Hey, Bucky, let's check out this castle. He's <laughs> <laughs> like MacGruber. Yeah. <laughs> Bucky, hand me that wire. <laughs> We've got plenty of. But 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 that is you know. But even in terms of the 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 history of the comics, I mean, you know, even if you want to condense, you know, even Marvel time is different. Blah blah blah. He's been out of the ice for fifty years in comic book. You know, in in terms mm-hmm. of published comic books. Exactly. Books, so he's had more adventures. He's had more adventures as a modern man than 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 he did, and the there's a lot of guys in the '70s who tried to get back to that that root of you know I mean uh, you know I think you know certainly Gruenwald tried to capture that Stern and Burns well, tried even, to get back I think to that at some point did just go back to the '40s when they well, when, the story. but even but even just the idea that you know that he is a guy out of time that he mm-hmm. is somehow a little more naive or sweet because he's a gentleman from you know they did it with some of his romantic you know stuff where yeah. he wasn't a you know I don't understand these women libbers you know? yeah well I mean that's what I like about Bru- I've liked about Brubaker's run is I've, I've always felt that he wrote Steve Rogers is not a stupid man just a man right. who's Fifty years went by like that. I mean, right. in an interview, Wade said that it's like you know, Steve Rogers isn't really aware he was asleep for however many years. Right. He just he closed his eyes right. and opened them again, and suddenly it was right. You know, no, I, I think that's great, and I think that's a great story for for Mark to tell, and I think it really, and I think it will be interesting because when you think of even post-war sixties, certainly style, certainly certain things were different, but it wasn't like. The, the technological advances. If you drop Cap into to a closer to now version mm-hmm. with the kind of immediacy, not just in terms of what the you know. Again, we all got a cell phone for the first time. We all figured it out. You don't have to be a you know. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out a cell phone. So to play, like, I'm from out of time. I don't know. I don't understand this strange device. I, you know, though, I might. I, that's interesting. I might differ with that. When if you and and I, I you have elderly relatives as well, and I know <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. That um. When something looks so alien, we all transitioned 
but I will that's a good point. But I will tell you that trying to get my grandmother to even speak into a cell phone. Right. The problem is not that she won't speak into it. It doesn't, it doesn't look like a phone. phone. Right. And so she's utterly confused. It's back to Scotty in right. Star Trek IV. Computer. Right, uh, but, but, but Steve Rogers isn't necessarily an old man. I think there's also a difference between a 60 or 70 no, year old no, no, person. No, no, I, I understand that. I versus a 20 something person who just finds himself in a new era. Right. I mean, and, and, but I, like I said, I'm sure, I mean, knowing Mark and, you know, he will look at all the nooks and crannies for how to, how to, how to, how to best approach that. Absolutely. And, and you know, and, and I th- but I think that's an interesting, I, guess, I think that is an interesting he, story. He's sort of Captain America post-war year one. Well, I think, and you pointed out to me before, I think Mark Wade is one of, I mean, you know, he's doing quite well. well there's certainly no, <laughs> no question. But I don't think he gets as nearly as much credit as people who are maybe a little flashier Jeff, Jeff, for one, CCO being one, uh, Grant Morrison, another. That Wade does always find those little, as you say, those little nooks and crannies. Right. Um, Jeff tells amazing summer blockbusters, and I think Wade has a, an amazing strength in quieter moments that can, can make you oh, yeah. feel the emotion of the humanity and, of characters. And part of it is just for whatever you know reasons. I mean, you know, Mark kind of you know took himself into a you know a different place doing cross gen. You know, I mean, you know, he, you know, and then he did, you know, then kind of, you know, returned, uh, you know, to do, mm-hmm. gr- you know, and then from that, that, you know, tried the gorilla thing. I forget if gorilla was first, and then uh, I forget which order they went in. Uh, gorilla was after he came back from crossing because actually he and I had a conversation right, right after that because right. and and then you know and then whatever you know and that didn't quite you know for whatever reason you know that mm-hmm. that you know gorilla didn't. Stick to only what two issues of Empire and you know mm-hmm. and, and then DC finished it up. Yeah, right. DC finished it, but like Empire. But in terms of, I mean, he's got great work out there that people don't always. You know, we still sell Empire like it's a new book because you know it is. It's like you know it's like you know. Well, it's, it's a great story it, it's and it's complete. You. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a you know it's a great pitch. It's you know what what happens when you know Doctor Doom slash Darth Vader wins. You know, uh, you know, and, and does take over the world and now has to. You know, deal with all the um, the the uh, you know politics to some extent. Yeah, I mean, that the makes that point. The day to day of being the worst ruler in the universe, and now of course there's a guy who wants your job. There's now a guy who's after you. Not that you're the good guy, but there's dozens of people who are going. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be the tyrant. I want to be the tyrant. Yeah. And it, it you know was, and I think there is more to tell in that universe. And I think in some ways, Empire is sort of the path to to irredeemable. You know, to mm-hmm. some extent. Um, in terms of just trying to really say, we know what all the you know we know what all the tropes are. Now let's just approach the story from from a different mm-hmm. way. Um, you know, and 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 I agree. I mean, you know that you know Mark Mark did you know and Mark's Fantastic Four run was really you know really incredible. And again, he found a way you know to to put a spin on that where you know Reed Richards finally gets fed up and says, I'm just going to take over Latveria. You know, that's the mm-hmm. problem. We let this guy go back. We always let this guy go home. <laughs> so, so let's, let's yeah. just take over. Oh, take yeah, over no, no, that, was a, that was a great run. Yeah. And and you brought up CrossGen, so there's another yeah. big thing that came oh, yeah, out of yeah, Comic-Con um, uh, that Marvel leaked in a vague way. I, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think they were co- they were concrete with their, uh, with their actual plans, but Marvel's very good about it. Yeah, right. and and that's not a that's not a slam. They got everybody talking about it without actually saying anything. So sure. showing the sigil, uh, which was the yellow and gold and red um, yin and yang thing right. from, from right. CrossGen. 
So we know that it's coming back in some form. Right. And uh, it's going to be Sigil meets uh, Miracle Man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Next you year, we're still going to be talking about the temperature system. <laughs> oh my gosh, we we got a. I can't even come up with many characters. Yeah, you said the Sojourn trade paperback because right. it's uh, Greg Land's art. Well, I mean, a lot of top stars yes. of today, art wise, were, uh, were I, artists there. If they follow the, I mean, I think we're all a little disappointed that there was no, you know, that they started trickling out these Marvel Man, you know, books that are reprints of the of the of the stuff, stuff. no one wants to read. Of the, exactly. Of even when you know they reprinted it for uh, you know for the Alan Moore series, you know Alan Moore apparently you know redialogued certain parts to make the you know so he could you know there's there's one story I think that that he that he that he did that with, but they're they're silly stories, you know they're they're silly kid stories from the fifties. Um, they're not why people they're not why Marvel Man slash Miracle Man is is, is, yeah. is beloved. And I think a year later. You know, in terms of what was conspicuous by its absence, like you know, Wonder Woman movie, um, this was conspicuous that there wasn't a you know another shoe dropping on the Miracle Man, Marvel right, Man. Because that's what everybody wants to know is when do we get to, well, right. when do we get to those Alan Moore's back in trade paperback? Right, right. Because what are those selling for? You're still yeah, we 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 came across some. I mean, they're they're not insignificant. That's that's for sure. I mean, here here here's the the the, the main. Um, issue too is with cross gen is they do that tease and it really raises the question of what what's the best thing to do i mean i can see them i think we'll see like they sort of are doing with miracle man I'll, i think we'll see some sort of big fat collection first mm-hmm. to kind of amortize you know because they need to whatever you know and i guess mm-hmm. it's because, and i guess the presumption is because disney bought out cross gen that now, and now that disney owns marvel someone at disney said or someone at marvel said hey you know, you've got comic books in my peanut butter. I've got and, peanut butter in and, your comic and books. To, to be somewhat fair to this as a business decision, in CrossGen's heyday, the three or four months when they really seemed to be backing up everything they said they were going right. to, um, they were good books. Not right. only top artists, but the storylines were most of the storylines were interesting. I, right. I, you know, I, as I told you before, I, I think I read everything from CrossGen because they sent it to me right. to, to review, but. There was very little of it that I didn't like. From, from a yeah, and from a business standpoint, we by the time we opened the store, CrossGen was on its last legs. Mm-hmm. I think we were talking about Solus, which was one of like the last the George Perez thing. And, and so, so, so my experience of it more was it was more unfinished. Though I do remember, I mean, we were always sort of chasing down like you know Sojourn back issues. Mm-hmm. We had people and and oh, Meridian was also a series. Oh, Meridian did, was a fun one. Well, and, and did, that did very well in books. In the trade because it was a great kids series. Yeah, yeah. It was, and that's the, was the amazing thing about the company. They managed to tie it all together in in vague ways, and yet have such wildly different tones. Right. As you can say, Meridian, good book for girls. Right. So, and I think that's the question: Is it simply that we're going to see the CrossGen Library re-released, or are we? But none of those <laughs> stories finished. You have to finish them. That. Well, I mean, that's the question. I mean, I think what you have to not do is what I think Checker did a couple of years ago, which is, hey, we bought the rights to CrossGen, so we're, we're going to pick up the trade paperbacks where they left off. So here's Negation 4 and Sojourn 5, and just the idea of putting out, you know, not having those first several trades mm-hmm. available and just throwing the new, uh, you know, you know, like I said, where CrossGen left off, it was 
it was really yeah. it was it was sad because because there weren't people who were, who had you know people had forgotten or people had, weren't mm-hmm. necessarily completing. Yeah, so I don't know. So if they come out with like Sojourn seventy two or whatever, you know, yeah, I don't know. If you know, what, or fifty six. Well, Sojourn was the one where we got into the thirties, and yeah, Sojourn had, I think yeah. was like the longest running series. I think I think you're right. Um, I'm trying to think what the sci- the hard sci fi one was with the the guy that had it on his chest um, and he wore a vest. Um, Starbrand. No, that was... Uh, <laughs> curse you, Carl. Uh, no, uh, but, I, you know, the, the, the unique thing that Marvel could do with it is, though they are positioned because they do it all the time, is create a, a cross-gen saga. And you could have a little free... Right. Or, or even a dollar book that says, here's where everything got up to. Right, Two right. Two pages for each title right. that they plan to revive. I don't think... and we, I think Rick... Fresh um, and I never talked about this. That we believe that Roos came to an end, or at least well, I think went Roos, to a logical. Yeah, I think. Well, Mark, I think finished it or left it, and then I mean, he left it. But somebody else finished it. But I think they sort of brought it to the right. next one because it was so identified with Mark. Right. Um, it really, it, it was really obvious that no matter how good that replacement writer was, right. his quality had just gone boom, boom, right. way down. So right. no, and I mean, see, now that's the thing. And Roos, because I think is even more sort of self-contained. I think. If I were running Marvel, I mean, I think that one of the first steps I would do is having Mark there, doing um, revi- reviving reviving Ruse in a way because I think that's as an as a standalone because that was probably honestly the only cross gen series I really followed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just it lo- the rest of it at at the time for me was just not my taste because again I wasn't looking for universes. You know, I wasn't looking mm-hmm. for and here's the. You know, I, know, I, mean, I think you know, world's greatest universe. I didn't get into image. It's doing alone the best out of all. Yeah, so so I could so that that would make sense to me doing something with Sojourn, especially because they have a relationship with you know you know Land does a lot of stuff there. That that makes sense. But how do you? But you're right. It's a tricky balance because you have to release number ones that are accessible. You can't just pick up. You can't just pick up the numbering, and you can't just be obsessed with ending the the story that existed. So you have to sort of sit in a room and really figure out what your 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 plan is. Or like I say, because they're Marvel, it wouldn't surprise me if the first attack is 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 relaunching um, through reprints. Or even a reprint series. I mean, if you know, they've been doing they've been doing some interesting stuff where they, you know, they did it with they reprinted Civil War as a series. They you know as a Civil War saga, you know, where it was in order with um, you know, different crossovers. No, no, I'm not talking about trade paper. I'm talking about right now they're doing Extremis, Iron Man Extremis, the director's cut. They're releasing those six issues of Warren Ellis and Adi Granov. So oh, I've missed this. Okay. Yeah, they've been doing they've been doing different reprints. And even the Marvel Man fan, you know, finest. I mean, they're doing, not only are they doing an omnibus-sized thing, they're also doing a series. Mm-hmm. You, know, I'll, you know, I don't know how long it'll last, but the, you know, and I don't know how many we're selling of the, you know, the Iron Man uh, Extremis reprint as a comic isn't going through the roof, but we have people who are buying it, I can see are buying it every month, mm-hmm. you know, and it's up to, like, issue yeah. three or four now. Yeah. So I, I could. So if they wanted to try going, okay, we're going to release Sojourn one, but it's going to be the old Sojourn. If they think it can, you know, let succeed in this market, or they can do double issues to kind of get through it faster. Yeah. But it, you know, but but that's going to be hard to gauge because then once they go from the old material to the new material, you know, mm-hmm. um, how, how do you know? Yeah. And it's also the other Marvel Disney 
crossover that actually came out uh, this week after the con was that they are going to do a Tron two-issue Tron book. Tron was all over the place at this convention, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just saw a little dabble there before we... Sure. Uh, is, uh, it was all over the convention, but how impressed are you by... Tron comics. Well, well, either way, you know. You know, Tron is also probably, you know, the the, you know, I I I've heard it means a lot to a lot of people, but again, Tron, whatever year Tron came out, like you know, was not my year, not my yeah. I was in college, so going to Tron that year for whatever reason, I was going to something else. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what the big movie was. That that was after it wasn't ET. I don't know, but but Tron was Tron was not my uh, like. At that time, that was just not my 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 thing. So, uh, but it was a you're right. It was ET. Was it was ET and Tron were the same summer? Right yeah. there, you go. So I was I was I was sitting through six screenings of ET that summer. <laughs> and now in hindsight, <laughs> how do you feel about that <laughs> car? That wasn't Raiders. No, Raiders was eighty one. Eighty one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it wasn't Raiders. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever. I mean, well, I don't know that I've ever seen Tron all the way through. Like I've seen pieces of it. Uh, wow, yeah. It's a guy in a video game. <laughs> yes, it's a no-brainer. But almost to me, a movie that doesn't even need to. I mean, I'll see Tron Legacy because I mean, it, you know, yeah. I mean, what I like about what I've seen of Tron Legacy is it looks interesting because again, I like I, see, I like the meta quality of it. That obviously it's you know it's they're aware they're taking the idea of it's been thirty years and you know it, it, they're it's not just. We're doing another Tron movie. They are mm-hmm. playing with the fact that you've got Jeff Bridges. You know that Jeff Bridges is both a sixty-year-old man and a kind of young, useful presence in the in the body of the video game. At least I think that's what he I'm would be picking up. Clue was his program because right. they all the programmers. I, here's Derek is to do Tron 101 the car. <laughs> all the programmers had programs that matched. So Bruce Box Lightner was both a programmer and he is Tron. Right. And we have not seen Ms. Right. Tron yet, but I kind—I he sort of leaked at a little press event we had that he when they said so you're not Tron. He said I didn't say that. Right. So you know yes Tron because it's not Tron without Tron. Right. But yes, uh, <laughs> Jeff Bridges it was Clue, and Clue at the beginning of the Tron movie you see Clue actually get derezzed, as they say. Yeah. You know was dismantled, which was the excuse for how he could be. Uh, transported into the video, right? Into the video game because his program didn't exist anymore, right? So his counterpart was gone. So now Clue is apparently back and um, not happy with the status quo, right? So um, yeah, no, I mean, look, I love Jeff Bridges. I mean, I probably love him more than I did in 1982. So there you, so I'm, there I'm more interested in seeing the movie. So uh, yeah, I think we've gotten through all the all. Can our, I tell you? Can I tell you the one yeah. con story that I've been teasing you with all week. You have. The John uh, John Cassidy story. Planetary. Planetary. Did you hear the... Do you no, were, no. I told this yet. Susan... Okay. Um, no, sorry, wait. Car's lovely... Uh, uh, Car's wife, <laughs> the, the lovely Susan Avalone, uh, has also teased me for the past three days <laughs> of my staying with you about... Oh, Car's going to tell you the planetary story. Planetary well, story. I hope, it's, I hope it's funny. I hope we haven't spoiled it. But... Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is. But I... I you know, I'm... I'm Arguably one of the world's biggest planetary fans, that you know, the series that Warren Ellis and John Cassidy created, and I indirectly credit that series with me owning comic book shops because that. Uh, no way, you guarantee you'd remember when to get the book. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that I, didn't, I would that the book. Would you were be there that day. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to take seven years, but, that's, but, but it did. 
uh, or ten years, uh, really. But that led me to the Warren Ellis Forum because I, because I, I, when I was picking up on all the references in Planetary, um, and 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 I don't know if you last year I did a uh, for Comic Book Resources I did a. Um, uh, reading uh, the Watchmen. Re- rereading the Watchmen, mm-hmm. and now I'm, I've started. I think I'm going to try and do the same thing with with Planetary. Make some notes, and maybe something we'll talk about too. Because I, I was going to do it by myself, but maybe I'll get other people to to. Uh, yeah, I did the last one with, with Adam, Adam Freeman for Watchmen. This was more just you know I've got I, you know I was rereading the Absolutes, and I was like, oh, I want to put down some of these thoughts. I'd written an article for Starlog's comic scene about ten years ago. I recall that. I'm just going to say I'm a, I'm a huge Doc Savage fan, so you can Doc Brass. You know, right. maybe we should uh, right exactly because that's that's so much of what that that that, that first issue and I mean in the series is about and. And uh, but wanting to sort of know more about you know reading other analyses you know that's what we had the internet's for because you could connect with other fans mm-hmm. and then to discover that Warren Ellis actually had his own forum where he was holding court on planetary you know among the other things he was he was uh, he he was writing and being able to talk well no I think it's I think Axel you know Doc Brass is you know is Doc Savage I think he's the, I mean obviously he's Doc Savage. Um, you know, all, all those kinds of things. So that led me to the Warren Ellis Forum, where everybody was talking about, you know, this new thing of trade paperbacks. And it's, you know, the first time I heard about people waiting for the trade or really having a preference. And people talking about new books. It's like, oh, now that there's a system for, you know, a book. I always heard about things like Fables and Why and all these Vertigo titles that I really wasn't paying attention to. Um, Box Office Poison, which became one of my favorite books. All these things that I was getting exposed to for the first time on the Warren Ellis Forum mm-hmm. led to the idea that, Hey, I sh- you know, taking some of these ideas and this energy and focus at recommending good books to people and bringing in new people into the medium. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's we do need a comic shop like that. And I met Judd, and we had the same idea, and 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 we formed Earth too. So, but I've been you know, but yeah, Planetary. I've been you know, was hanging on for ten years for every issue. I've you know, I met John Cassidy a long time ago. You know, bought art art from him. Have a we have a framed page of. Mm-hmm. His original planetary art here, um, you know. So, and and my wife, the lovely Susan Avalone, knows I talk planetary, planetary, planetary all the time. And I've written these articles, and she knew I was sitting down and thinking about rereading it again, and and, and thinking about all this stuff again. And we're walking through the hotel lobby one night, and there's John just hanging out with a friend, and 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 I was like, oh, I haven't seen John. I walk up, hi, John, Cardi, Angela, how you doing? We start chatting. Nice guys, we're having a conversation, and I said, you know, Susan, this is, you know, John, John Cassidy, blah, 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 and, and then my, uh, my brother-in-law and his wife come up, oh, this is John, John Cassidy, and, and, and I think my, my, you know, brother-in-law just kind of leaned over to me and said, said, like, you know, like, help me, like, I, I know this is someone I'm supposed to know, like, help me here, yeah. and I said, you know, he, he does planetary, and when my, my wife heard that, she goes, she goes. She turns around. She goes. Oh, you're planetary. <laughs> she goes, now I get it. She goes. You know, I knew. You know. You, you know. My obviously, you were kind of someone. You know. My my husband knew. But I mean, you know, we're talking here. This is very nice. She, he goes. She goes. Ah, but I didn't realize you were planetary. I mean, planetary is very important in our house. You're very important. In our house. <laughs> John's friend is just starting to crack up, and John just goes, "Yep, that's right. I'm planetary." And then Susan goes, "He's planetary. He's planetary." <laughs> 
I'm I'm like blushing. I'm like you know I'm just like okay I've been I've been busted. I've been outed. You know like this uh you know almost as like you know schoolboy crusher you know something. And well, I, uh, I believe he's a handsome man. He's, he's like, well Susan said who's that good looking uh, who, who's that lo- good looking guy? He he's he's known for being quite dashing. Yeah. Um, uh, and and moving into film. I mean he's yeah. uh, you know directed an episode of uh, Dollhouse. Right. And, exactly. Uh, so and I, there's always talk of him doing the I I, I am Legion. But uh, at, well, at one time, I think that was... was I Am Legion? Uh, not, uh, not I Am Legion, Legion. The, Legion. the, the humanoids thing, what, whatever. Oh, yeah, you know, you're right. That is I Am Legion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, not I Am Legend. I think that yeah. is the last man on Earth, Earth slash yeah. Omega Man slash. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, so it's just like, so he just kept, yep, I, I'm planetary. That's me, planetary. <laughs> so, so his, you know, you know, uh, so if you see John Cassidy, don't say, hi, John, say, hi, planetary, how you doing? Let's <laughs> <laughs> we can start that as a meme. Exactly, uh, let's see if that works. And it transitions beautifully to the other oh. annual segment of the Cardiangelo Fanboy Planet podcast, which is the book you got Su- the, your wife, the lovely Susan Avalone, yes. to read this year, because she reads only, oh, one a year. Yes. Um, actually, she read Scott Pilgrim. She did. She read Scott Pilgrim number one because she wanted to know what all the all she wanted to know what all the fuss was about. But did you still get to sneak one in because that was really more uh, her initiative? Uh, that was you? her initiative, and I'm tr- oh my god, you know you. Well, what did she think about Scott Pilgrim? Uh, she enjoyed it. I mean, she totally you know she totally got it. She thought it was 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 very funny. I mean, I think thing something like that. Her reaction was like like I. So what was this sort of like why not why was it a comic book? But it was that was a bit you know. Like it didn't have to be. Um, I think there was something. Maybe our friend, uh, you know, God, I forget. You always ask me this question, and I feel like, and and I would that I wasn't I wasn't prepared for. It. I feel like I'm gonna have to, I'm call, sorry, I didn't I'm gonna have to, to call into uh, elusive next week. I didn't the, 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 fine. The, the, I didn't mean to blindside you with the question. I just uh, yeah, because we usually do like mid year. It's usually like like in between times. And actually, one year was she had read Too Cool to Be Forgotten on the way to the. Um, on the on 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 the way to the show, but I know there was you know, but you, there's been a bunch of, you know she's been reading like some of the um, I think it's memory kind of okay. Stuff. I you know because I do think it's a it's a crucial question. So maybe we'll have to call in next week uh, because why I like asking that question is, is as you have observed to me and I have observed of her that the lovely Susan Avalone TM is uh, is kind of what you call it, a taste maker. Yes. You know, and that there's when Susan tells me I should check something out. Right. I feel like yes. Right. She I is that. Yeah, she is <laughs> the eye of the storm. So I, I'm, I'm always very responsive to what she responds to. And oh, Wilson, that was it. A couple. She read Wilson, at, uh, the Dan Klaus book. Okay. Wilson, there we it. go. That she would be the pick this cause, year because I'm Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I've not read that yet. And now, spoiler alert! Angelo is Wilson. Um, and I don't know what people will make of that. I just said I'm pretty cranky. Is, is I think that's sort of the what Wilson and I have in common. No, that's all right. But well, okay. that's yes. And 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 she responds to things. I mean, because a lot of her ladies' magazines cover. You know, she'll rip that page and go, "Are you? Are you have you ordered this? Because this is in. You know, this was in the Oprah magazine, some graphic novel." Oprah's you know? got a graphic novel co- column. No, it's not a column. I mean, they'll just but in book That's reviews amazing. or publicity. I mean, things will come up. You know, I'm sure. I mean, the same way. I'm sure you'll see. You know, Wonder Woman finally wearing pants will be in placed in some of the women's magazines. You know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing because they've got publicists. You know, doing that. But there are. You know, but things will come up. You know, t- you know the 
you know, the Twilight graphic novel got covered, you know, whenever there's one of these... Um, and how did that manga sell for you? It did okay. It didn't, like... What we found more people... I, I reordered it recently because I was like, okay, we should probably always kind of have it. But people either were like... People didn't come in looking for it because it was so mass market. Um, but if people saw it, if our existing customers saw it, they would say, hey, I'm going to grab that for a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just, or, I'm just grabbing it for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> or they, I wouldn't read this. Or they found that they were... Um, uh, you know, or someone who was with someone might go, "Oh, hey, I didn't know there was a graphic novel." You know, yeah. and, and it, you know, but it wasn't. I think part of the problem was that when it came out, the the from a graphic novel perspective, the reviews of the presentation weren't great. Because mm-hmm. like the, the word balloons are weird, and the text is not. Well, I mean, gra- graphically, it, it it was it not an easy read. Oh okay. so, yeah, really yeah. So it, no, it got so. it got some it got some. It got some questionable reviews, so I think as a as an access point for the graphic novel fan, it, the, the the package didn't mm-hmm. didn't really work. Okay, and you have a stack of comics just so we get to kind of oh go through. Gosh. Oh, look at that! Oh, look at that! Uh, cars picked some things for the week that uh, give us some give us some conversation right. about. Yeah, some of the stuff just looks really cool. I haven't read read it all yet from oh my god and I bent one. Oh I bent well we we both read Wonder Woman six oh one. Yes, we did. I didn't hit that button, okay. No, no, don't worry, it's over here. Um so uh yeah we both read Wonder Woman six oh one, J. Michael Straczynski's I guess official debut on yes. Wonder Woman. Yeah the first there was a few pages, pages. like it was like a preview but it was a little bit of setup and I think Oh and you know what? Can can I run out for a second? Yeah can, can you I can, can you pause jam? it ready? Okay. See how easy that was? And no one knows that we paused. Nobody except I knows. just blew it by saying we paused. I'm not telling anybody. Okay. So, uh, Car's going to get uh, Wonder Woman 600, is that right? Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Car's showing me that the pages look all similar. They're not... Right. It looks kind of continuous. It kind of looks like maybe, you know, again, I don't We're kind of spinning our wheels with it. Right. It made me feel that maybe the, the pages that were in in you know, in this were less of a prologue and perhaps more of the 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 initial opening because it kind of is there's kind of like the seamless this mm-hmm. the seamless aspect mm-hmm. um, where we're really in that same scene of her with the of her with the oracle and I thought this was kind of ended a little bit suddenly and now this seems to sort of start in media you know res, res yes. I, you know I don't know I'm a, you know having edited magazines like I'm always and you know and I'm always looking for like weird editing mm-hmm. decisions, you know, like when Marvel used to reprint, you know, Warlock and, you know, Jim Starlin's Warlock in like, you know, a, a miniseries and they would just arbitrarily cut it and then have mm-hmm. somebody create a fake splash page for the next yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and you go, oh, that's interesting, I understand why an editor, you know, chose to chose to do that, but, um, it, you know, it, it seemed, I guess the feeling is that, you know, though they say prologue, it really is one yeah, you know, when you look at them both together, it's sort of mm-hmm. one one story, and um, you know, it's 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 interesting. I mean, I love Straczynski, and I and I and I you know, and the Superman. We were talking about Superman seven oh one. Yeah, I mean, made me you know, made me laugh, made me cry. Absolutely, um, absolutely. You know, I, I thought I, I really in, in, enjoyed that. Here, I guess this feels like a you know, if there's two Straczynskis, there's sort of the guy who like you know delivers in each. Story, you know, each each cha- each each issue is a chapter. I feel what he's doing with Wonder Woman is more a Midnight Nation, Rising Stars, Straczynski of it's a it's a bigger picture. 
Like, I think mm-hmm. we'll get to what, however long the story is. We'll, you know, there's a purpose to it. that, And even his Spider-Man kind of started off that way. Mm-hmm. Where, like, it wasn't like, he, you know, Spider-Man versus Doc Ock or something in his first right. issue. It was, you know... Well, and, and, and when he wrote Thor, it was that way. Right, right. I really felt when I read the first issue of his Thor run, I said, this is going to be great right. when I have the trade. Right. And I'm gonna. It's all gonna be seamless. And and Wonder Woman. I don't know why Wonder Woman loans herself that to uh, loans herself to that. Right. Because Greg Rucka's run was like that. Mm-hmm. I really felt I experienced them in six issue chunks. Is right. Great paperbacks. And when I would go to conventions and people would complain about the decompressed storytelling, I'm like, What the hell are you talking about? He's telling such a right. brilliant story, but because I was reading bigger chunks than right. anybody was. I, yeah, but I was reading Rucka chapter by chapter, but it was still sort of set in a. I mean, at least the parts I recall were. I mean, when she was like the you know working at the you know the, the ambassador the, the, the and ambassador. all that, and the I mean there was stuff that was very. Um, it was still set within a. There's a bigger story, but each issue was sort of set within a kind of superhero comic yeah. book structure. This is starting into something. It's, it's not a superhero comic book. I mean, right no, now it's, uh, it is. It's an alternate history, I guess. Right. Um, and I, and Dio said at uh, at Comic Con at the DC Nation kickoff, you know, we we aren't. We've never said the costume isn't coming back. Right. You know, which I would say is that's the thing. If you if you're worried about that from the licensing perspective. Sorry, she's uh, she's in to flashback to you. Oh, to flashback to your joke about yeah, she's going to go back to flashback. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's there. Uh, you know, to make a callback, it, 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 it's you know, the license requires that. There's too many action figures. There's too many stickers. Oh yeah, and we've got a pile of buttons and magnets here that are, you know. I mean, and again, which why the invisible jet always shows up again well, when everybody tries to get rid of it. Even even if you look at <clears throat> and even if you look at Batman, I mean, a lot of Batman, you know, Batman's costume has changed. Subtly, you know, but going from the you know black and gray to blue and gray to the oval and not oval, and I mean, and you know, it's similar enough that it probably doesn't cause anybody major problems. But there, license, there's different levels of licensing for that 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 mm-hmm. that Batman costume for for Batman. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and you know, you st- there is still you know there's still lots of line you know and like and even these you know um, I'm looking at my shirt. Yeah, he's got he's cars blue. Were- Carl's wearing the 2010 Comic Con International T-shirt. I mean, it's the um, deeper Jim, you know, Lee kind of, you know, blue that they they used in Hush. But you know, but but it really seems the official. Yeah, he's not Batman. Black. It's, it's blue and it's gray. The blue, it's the blue and gray that kids uh, grew up on. I mean, that's kind of right. closer to what right. Adam West was wearing. Even though we went through a whole series of. He was black. 90, wasn't it black on black for after the first movie? Mm-hmm. And they really, I mean, the, the comics themselves really. Yeah, and Christopher Nolan's films, they're yeah, black yeah. on black. Right. Yeah, so. Right, I'm saying that look, you know, sort of, you know, so, so, yeah, I mean, the costume's not, the co- I mean, if the question's about the costume, the costume's yeah, not. Yeah, and I think the thing is, we say that with the color coding, if you wear that Batman uniform, that, that outfit that is blue and gray, that's almost like a signal that says, this one is okay for kids. Right. Yeah. And when you see the black-on-black Batman, it's, um, this is going to be disturbing, and you may lie awake a little while after right. reading a book called Arkham Asylum. And, <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if it really works that way, but that would be one interesting interesting way to do it. I just think it's more that in terms of the the icons are still the the you know still the icons. I mean, and I think even from a licensing standpoint, everybody feels the you know there's still like licensing stuff that floats out there with long hair Superman. And we all agree that long hair mullet Superman was a mistake. 
but still you'll see some something. Billy Ray L. Yeah, Billy Ray L. You know, I mean, stuff like that. So to, to, to go to the trouble to change all the licensing to accomplish something in a moment, it, it really isn't necessary because I don't think anybody would, I don't think anybody questions the, most people buying the licensing, let's put it that way, aren't going, well, what does she look like in the comics? No, they're not. And, and, but I think people that don't read it, except one of them, I mean, Fox News apparently uh, yesterday ran a thing on the costume change because the impending actual issue hitting, right. they were a little slow. Because uh, everybody else was talking about it, but you know, and the whole thing was, you know, is she not patriotic anymore? And it was just like, what I think, thing? you know, I think that was they ran that story. I think last month too. Uh, I think they just were trying to, to 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 pick it up again because they like to, you know, it's to whip people into hysteria. Exactly over over what you know. I mean, again, and they're yeah, it's, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, it rem- that kind of thinking that reminds me of in the seventies when the Wonder Woman show was on. And they were always trying to sync up the comic timeline and the TV show timeline. Yeah. And it, because the show started and she was in the present day, but they had made that decision to put to make it the Earth Two World War Two Wonder Woman. And uh, yeah, it, they were never they were never they were always and the because the, the show changed a couple times and the comic book changed well, a couple it, times. Yes. The yeah. I have season one. That's World War Two. Yeah. Season two, I think, was when she went to or when they changed networks, even. Right. Changed networks and changed. Right, it started in World War Two, and then the comics changed to World War Two to meet that, but when it changed networks, by the time the comics were World War Two, yeah. it seemed the show was modern. Yes. And then they went modern, and then I think the show changed back to World War Two. I, I haven't finished my collection of DVDs. Uh, uh, may, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just it, you know, I may just be making it up. But it, but it always felt that they were trying to you know that, that there, yeah. were, there were multiple attempts, and they were you know just kept missing. Yeah. It. So um, yeah, it's, it's worthwhile, but it's definitely going to be this is a, a book to show patience with. Yeah, and I think that the, the you know, and I think. And it's hard to read Wonder Woman on its own. The 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 way we are almost trained to think nowadays, mm-hmm. and DC has kind of done this to us. Is but how does it fit? You know, Dan Didio talks about the the the, the bigger story. You know, people want the bigger story, and and I do think he's right in the sense that when a story like Wonder Woman comes along, and obviously this is trying to be a story that doesn't immediately, at least as far as we can read it right now, doesn't really touch on the rest of the DCU in an obvious way. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think that question was asked and answered to some extent that there were going to... I think one of the DC Nation panels, it came up, and yes, there will be some guest stars and, and crossovers. Mm-hmm. But it really is that question of 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 when you change... When this character is experiencing this change in their memory slash history, whatever mm-hmm. it is, what does everybody else think? You know, we ask it about. I mean, and, and you know, this kind of leads to the other comic. We asked it when it happened with Spider-Man mm-hmm. after you know uh, one more day, and it makes you go. But what does everybody else think? Okay, you know, they you know Mephisto changed the world, but does but but Peter Parker told everybody he's Spider-Man. So what does? Right, you know what? What and interesting enough, again, full circle thing. Rich Johnston pointed out today on Bleeding Cool that actually that had happened with Flash, and I totally forgot about it when Neron said, in order to save Central City or Keystone City, right, keep up your relationship. And yet, I remember back then, and they handled it differently. Was that he just that both of them had basically approached Neron separately and agreed to break up? It wasn't that. Uh, that he rewrote history, right? But the but the confrontation, the way it was handled, the setup was very much the same thing, and people right. didn't get all that worked up. But then again, Wally West and Linda Park are not the iconic Peter Parker and Mary Jane, right? 
So, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 um, you know, but, but it had those repercussions. And it had those repercussions when, when Jeff did, um, Flash 200 and Ignition. And, and Wally wished that, I wish the, the world would forget that I'm, Wally was the first hero to go public, and then yeah. wished, and had Hal Jordan the Spectre, I think, granted the wish yeah. that no yeah, one that will remember, no one will remember you're the Flash. And I think the twist was in that first story is it made Wally West forget. He was the Flash, yes, or something like that. Or he was, or he was just so deeply buried that he was kind of since no one remembered the Flash. Like he was, people remembered the Flash was gone. Can't remember exactly the twist, but no, uh, I think you're right. He, was, he, he, forgot. he forgot he was I the think Flash. He forgot he was the Flash. Yeah, and I think then he hooks up with Dick Grayson and some of his other compadres and mm-hmm. comes to realize you know uh, all of that. But yeah, I mean it, you know, it, but you but when someone. Because we ask that these characters all be part of the same mega story, mm-hmm. when you try and break out a character to explore that character, you know, I mean, even if they, you know, is she, is this world where Paradise Island was destroyed? Is this quote unquote New Earth? Is this has New Earth been rewritten? Right. Is it another? Is it one of Grant Morrison's Fifty Two? Except mean, she says very specifically, history was not what it was, and I don't think anybody's supposed. And, and here we are. This is where the Zordaks come in, and we're uh, let's both push our glasses up, <laughs> and back on our faces. Mm. Mm. And the point is um, that uh, you are making me very. Angry. If you are on New Earth, you don't remember, or it's not even New Earth. I think New Earth is what. Hey, the New Earth is what came after Final Crisis. Yeah, yeah. I remember, but they don't remember that. No one there except possibly Superman because of Final Crisis remembers there was an existence before this. They right. know there was a crisis, but until but it was Superman's super singing that saved us all. <laughs> um, you know, that... Uh, I'm, I'm not kidding. Uh, <laughs> so... You're the one who said you could explain Final Crisis. I can. <laughs> I can, but I, and, I, and I love that. But uh, I, I don't want to go into it No, now. no, 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 no. Uh, but I do love it. Uh, it's just really it's difficult to get through. It's... Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, this, if she's aware that this isn't quite right, but she doesn't know why, I think it's an alternate that can be spun differently from what's going on in Brightest Day, for example. Right. Which I'll assume is what is kind of concurrent. But this book is not happening with Brightest Day. Just as I'm If not she walks over to Star... Is there a star... Is where she... Can she walk to a star city where there's a forest from where she is? I think that's sort of the, the yeah. question. That's sort of how, what you're, you're... In terms of what, what's concurrent... Yeah. Or is she, uh, is she, has she been transported to a new playing field, so mm-hmm. to speak? I think she's in a new playing field, but then that's great that we'll have a couple of, it's like seeing Inception, right. we'll have a couple of months of actually debating that. Right. Okay. But, but then the question also becomes, I mean, and this is where it is, Zorlak, it is, uh, you know, the question becomes, in the rules that the DC universe, and, and again, I know Straczynski is a writer who's going to say, I don't want to be constrained by what, Right. Grant and Jeff and everybody did five years ago, just right. because I have this story I want to tell now. Yeah. But whenever they do these quote unquote other dimensions, it's they got to a point where they said there's 52 alternate universe, and I don't, I don't really care. I mean, they can say there's 104 or whatever, you know. I mean, it doesn't matter. But it's that they said it, and and I know I do sound horribly geeky, but that they they said it. So it just raises the, the question. It, it, it seems that there's always an out if you can always put somebody in a dream dimension or an alternate, mm-hmm. you know, universe that isn't part of. Because then, what does it mean? The word, the word of saying there are 52 parallel Earths is meaningless if if any villain or god can come along and create snap of their fingers, create a, another, another a reality. New reality. But I, you know, and and that goes a larger. I think that what what Grant Morrison is 
doing is you bring back hypertime, which was always an idea that I thought was fine. Right. The, and, uh, you know, I've heard Mark Wade a, a, a couple of times sort of dismiss it and go, oh, it was a dumb idea. I don't think that he really thinks that. I think it was just like he'd get really frustrated when people right. kept asking about it, why aren't we doing this? You know, it's, and it's not really, wasn't really in his hands. But um, Hypertime was just a cool way to sort of, I mean, people saw it as a cop-out this, that someone could say, you know, what it it was a way to be able to say to the fans, enjoy the story, and if, you know, Speedy and Aqualad act like they've met for the first time, even though they met for the first time in another story, don't, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you know because, because it's hyper time, meaning they branched out, had a meeting, branched in, and had another meeting, you know, that, that, that there's a, yeah. you know. If that, you enjoyed the story, it stays. I exactly. Mean, I mean, How many times do we have to, because, exactly, you see, you see, there's going to be people that said, no, I know perfectly well that Captain America thought out in 1962. You know, I mean, because right. and and it's a different milieu. He woke up well, at a different time. We're going to get to a point, I mean, we, we will, we will see another crisis. I mean, in the sense of, it may not be our generation. It may be the next generation of writers and creators and readers that we haven't met yet. Um, at, I cannot who, foresee a day that Jeff Johns steps aside. <laughs> well, he's on Green Lantern until retirement was his quote, I believe, at the at the, at the show. I do well. But but okay, but and post he's going Jeff, to get cybernetic parts. If, if Jeff, there is, is no post Jeff. Uh, you know, <laughs> but yet you know you had, you know Marv Wolfman and Len Wein and Roy Thomas you yeah. know, doing this stuff in, in the eighties. Now we're you know twenty years twenty plus years later, and you got Jeff and Grant. And Straczynski now playing in this in this in, you know in, in this field. Like I say, there's there's creators again. We don't know yet because they're the creators who are going to be creating the books ten years from mm-hmm. now, and they're gonna someone's gonna say someone's gonna have the guts. And I don't know if you're trying to be G-rated, so I don't know. Do you, are you, you a already family blew podcast? It. You already blew I it. Said, but, uh, we we do like to say no, you know, because especially me, I can't really edit it, but I will just put it in say warm, you know, okay. car swears. Warm. I know. I yeah, 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 okay. I'm trying not to use the 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 the, the bomb. It's not that we're G-rated. But, but, it's that we just want to make sure. Yes, I I, I I I appreciate that. Because um, Long goes to sleep listening to this, and then it startles him. When <laughs> no, it's like watching network TV. Wait, did you <laughs> yeah. say that now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow, uh, things have come a long this way. This is the NYPD blue. Hey, episode. if South Park can say it, I can say it. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay. The here's the the, but here's the thing, the World War II thing. They, I mean, it's what they tried to do with the Zero Hour. It's what DC tried to do once. Is let's you know the reason they wanted to decimate the Justice Society is because the Justice Society keeps you stuck in World War Two. The Fantastic Four meeting Nick Fury. You know, I mean, Ben and, and Reed fighting alongside Nick Fury mm-hmm. in World War II or being World War II vets, stuck them into a continuity. Captain America sticks, you know, creates a, 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 a timeline. that That's why they're doing the Mark Wade thing, to sort of, because they have to say, for this to be credible, and, and, and he woke up 50 years after the war, not 10 years after the war. And it brings up war. a question. If you go back over to D.C., you know, will they ever give up on the Justice Society because at some point it's just not credible. I've got a whole miniseries proposal that takes all the World War II stuff from the Justice Society and puts it in Vietnam, and it works. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, because, because really, you know, the thing is, it's a Smallville question. Put it all in water again. And I think, and I, and I think the way that Jeff, can I call him Jeff? The way that Jeff um, uh, handled it on Smallville 
was just to pretend that there wasn't a question. And yet there are aspects, and by the way, people, you need to go into the Earth 2 1, because I have to go back there tomorrow and take the photograph of it, because I didn't walk over and do it, uh, is that Carr has hanging in the store the painting from the Smallville episode of the Justice Society, and as I sat there marveling at it this morning, when buying new comics, I just I just gazed. I'm sorry. There's probably a little drool. The woman <laughs> who works there probably wondered who I was and what what was wrong oh, with yeah. me. Uh, and uh, it was just a little seizure. And uh, I looked at it just to, to see like Mr. Terrific. And yet you can't place Mr. Terrific in that outfit. Well, maybe in the 70s, but not <laughs> in the 80s. You know, and seeing some of that and going, there's just so much of it that seems so 1940s even though right. they had Tandy computers right. in the Smallville episode, as that was their... Well, but, because that's the thing. The, the, the Golden Age was the 40s, the Silver Age was the 60s. The idea of crisis was to... And, and, and what they realized at DC, and what Marv realized, is that gap keeps getting wider. Because the 40s to the 60s, you, what they needed to do to keep it going was to create recreate Batman, Superman, etc. again in the 80s. But it was yeah. a time when there was all this continuity and stuff, so you couldn't do that. Yes. And they tried, and, but that's what, cri- the, and, and Marv, I think, has always has said this in interviews, is they didn't do what they really should have done. They did it with Man of Steel, but they really, you know, but financially and fiscally and other reasons, they were too scared to wipe the slate entirely clean and come out with Wonder Woman number one. Superman number one, Batman number mm-hmm. one, and start everything from the ground, ground, ground up again. And I, I can remember, and I've said, I think I've said it on the podcast before. What in a, uh, and it was probably like three years after Crisis that it dawned on me because I was reading Hawkworld, uh, and I can remember that it was Hawkworld that triggered it. And I went, what he really meant was that everybody died at the end of issue eleven of Crisis, right? And Crisis twelve was new people. Some of them had memories they thought of a, of a real, but they were a whole new universe, right. and realized that everybody lost. Right. Was I couldn't? I, I think right. I dropped my chicken right. tender and right it, then and there. And <laughs> well, I mean, well, it was weird. At the, I mean, Man of Steel was you know fascinating and interesting, but it was weird to be reading you know you know this completely different Lex Luthor and they're butting Superman and Lex Luthor are butting heads for the first time and. And, and you know, and there's and, and Brainiac for the first everything. And then they all everything in that was the first time. Somehow work it all back in. The right, way. and then and then and then Batman and but Batman and the Joker were meeting for the fiftieth time. So it was yeah. like really Superman. You know, so Superman was even losing his stature as sort of the first hero, because because now in this new third age, he wasn't even the first hero. He was coming in basically after everybody else was running around Gotham. And I had trouble accepting that. Why yeah. is he the greatest of them all if he's not? But I, I somebody, it was it was post zero hour. I can't remember who wrote it. If it was made, it might have even been Jeff. Um, we're buds now from just talking to you. <laughs> uh, I don't think he wants to be called Mr. Johns. I mean, okay. The guy only wears T-shirts. I mean, I think he's cool with being called Jeff. Okay, it's just, you know, I feel awkward. I mean, we've met, yeah. you know. But uh, is that there was a story about the Crimson Avenger and why they considered, why, which I've loved, I've loved that thing Grant Morrison thrown into JLA about you swore, you joined in by swearing on the Crimson Avenger's guns because he was really the first of us. Right. But they made a thing that he had somehow been transported before he became the Crimson Avenger forward in time after the death of Superman. And he had actually witnessed 
the the funeral, and he and so when he got sent sent back to 1933 or 1934, whenever they right. decided that that's when he started being the Green yeah. Avenger, that was why. Which, in a weird conceptual way, did make Superman the greatest of them all again. Right. That if the guy that really everybody came from was actually inspired right. by having right. seen the fall of a great hero, right. I went, oh, oh, okay. Now, now, and now you're taking me back to the whole DC One Million thing, which preceded Infinite Crisis, which I always read as, and this might be a DC One Million spoiler, so if you haven't read DC One Million and you plan to... Which I recommend. Which but I anyway. recommend, but I mean, I, you know, it's like, I think, you know, it's long enough past, yes. you know. It's the sled. Okay, the go sled. ahead. But that the, that there's a, well, there's a reference to the idea, I'll, I'll put it this way, of Superman, come, of the Great One coming back. And when that happens, the presentation really is, I read it, and a lot of people read it as it was super, the Earth to Superman and Lois from, from, you know the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths coming coming back. I did not, and it's interesting. I, I didn't. I read it as right. Superman is just immortal, and then All Star Superman basically provided that missing link. Right, right, and then he kind of, but yeah. it kind of, you know, so so maybe it, it isn't quite that, but there, but it was like the the, the S was the triangle. Right. I mean, it was sort it of was more it a was a spiritual look. thing because again, DC One Million was also wasn't about the year one. People confuse this. They think DC 1 million was 1 million because it was the year 1 million. No, it was, it was actually, issue. It, was, it was the year 831,000, which would have been the year, or 83,000 or something, which would have been the year that DC, that Action 1 million came out. Yes. I, I remember, yeah. So it was, so it really began with the idea of this was the, that what year does the millionth issue of Action Comics come out? And somehow, maybe I actually, by the time they get to a million, it sounds like DC is going to pull a Marvel and have the million, all the million issues come out in the same month the way. All the, <laughs> yeah. all, all magically, all the 600 issues came out the same month as Marvel. That was magic. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't, yeah, and some people have tried to do the counting going, uh, this Hulk thing doesn't really... <laughs> Well, but but Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman all did. They all they hit well, six hundred and seven hundred at the same time. Well, they, but they were consecutive, and also I think, and there was some there was some jerry rigging. I mean, there were a couple issues of Batman where they they did like two a month and things like yeah. that. So I mean that that that's more. Under well, what else control. is in the stack that you're excited about? You know, um, I did read. Did you read this? Did uh, you read no, the, I didn't read. I, one I, moment in 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 this in time. was the explanation of what happened between their marriage. Uh, yeah, so, but I guess to their marriage. This is yeah, was a Amazing Spider-Man. This was from last week before the con, six thirty-eight. The first issue of One Moment in Time. Um, I mean, again, relates to sort of the Wonder Woman thing about in terms of these memory wipe mm-hmm. um, type of stories. I mean, it's it, I think. The satisfying part is seeing Mary Jane and Peter Parker, you know, talk again, you know, really get together, Mm because they've kind of been flitting past each other and being not talky. Um, So, you know, really, you know, addressing that I think is interesting. What's interesting to me is the wedding period was probably a period I wasn't paying attention to Spider-Man. No, I wasn't either. So. so that moment in time wasn't wasn't a big moment for me, but I was reading the whole Straczynski run and and certainly reading one more day. So I'm that's mm-hmm. the part that that's really interesting to me is finding out what really happened between uh, her and Mephisto and yeah okay you know and, and then to see if you know I don't know I you know I don't know what they're if they're promising that I know they're going to from this they're going into ending Brand New Day, and starting with Big Time. But I don't know what that means when they say that. Does that mean they're going to go back to the status quo that they're, that they're married again? Probably not. 
I don't know that that's what I don't know that this changes. I think part of it is a I mean it's an editorial decision of just trying to again brand new day was all these different you know in terms of branding was just these different art different writers different artists mm-hmm. that they're at least going back to the consistency of Dan yeah. Slott as the main writer which I think is a great choice. Oh, I think he's a great writer. I'd... And 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 I do think and well and and from a retailer perspective I think it will be easier for us to judge the sales of Spider-Man with a consistent writer, mm-hmm. it has been really hard, um, you know, because first parts of arcs always kind of like shoot up a bit, yeah. and then it kind of levels out, and then it shoots up, and, and, and right. trying to order two or three issues in advance on three-issue story arcs is mm-hmm. really, you know, kind of yeah. kind of tough, and, you know, so there's issues we have, we wind up with too many of, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised at how inconsi- inconsistent the sales have, have, have been. I think there's a baseline of people who are just buying Amazing Spider-Man, and then there's people who are waiting for, you know, Mark Wade issues always do well. You know, there's people who are waiting for Mark Wade, they're waiting for Dan Slott, they're waiting for Joe Kelly, you know, or they're waiting for this villain. I mean, the Grim Hunt storyline you know, took a, a a jump, and then that all, and, and the lizard. I mean, but they were like two different types of jumps, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and like I say, and there's always a jump at the beginning because people are sampling because it's like a bunch of first issues. Yeah, yeah. And then next you've got uh, Justice League, Brightest Day. Um, yeah, I'm looking for something I've actually uh, read because I didn't. I didn't. Oh well, yeah, you just grabbed a plethora here. I did. This is all like the new stuff. I mean, it's it's very, a lot of Brightest Day stuff this week. I mean, Justice League of America. I really like James Robinson. I mean, and this is a JLA JSA crossover. So I'm, you know, I, I, I like the first part. I'm excited to to read this. And the three covers so far make this really cool. You know, everybody's doing it now, right? Where you got to line up all, together, all, yeah. all the all the all the covers linked together. You know, I, I just like. I mean, James is such a a you know sort of historian of comics that you know again calling the story the dark things, which is from the original you know Green Lantern, yes. you know the original Alan Scott Green Lantern oath. He always finds something. You know something, mm-hmm. you know something like that, and, yeah. and, and you know, and so I, I've I've been enjoying it. Um, it, it, it. I still feel because this is another event crossover thing. I'm still looking forward to getting a. I, I feel like we're st- we still haven't quite gotten after Cry for Justice and after the Dwayne McDuffie era that we've gotten into. Here's Justice League every month. You know that that's that sort of you know mm-hmm. that that without because like this is sort of to promote kind of cross promote justice society. So I'm really looking for and here's our here's our monthly the, justice league. And it's also one of the brightest day thing. They're dealing with Jade. Who yeah, is yeah. One of the the white right. lanterns. Right. And Justice League is a book that like you know, um, you know Marvel is done with Avengers. It should be okay for it to you know to knock down some of the other books. Meaning if. You know, if Batman and Superman and whoever are running around in here and they're not doing everything they're supposed to be doing in the other books, it's okay because it's Justice League. You yeah. know, and I think Avengers. You know, you know, I, I think Avengers has has gotten away. You know, with you know doing. Cra- I mean, again, Bendis. What Bendis does, which is really smart, is he can tell the story over six issues that maybe takes place in a day. Yeah. You know, and even Blackest Night, I think, is sort of designed that way. Where if you go back and look at it, it really is. Black as Night itself takes place over very. It might even be. A, 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 I don't know if it's a twenty-four hour period, but yeah, not, but it's a very. It's, it's a, a short. It's, it's a, a short, short time, time frame. Yeah. The story takes eight issues, but it was a it was a short time frame. So you can sort of say this happened, 
And but you know, Superman still did this on Monday and had, was able to get back to Action yeah. Comics on Saturday, you know, or whatever. Um, I envision him flying into something. <laughs> <laughs> action Comics. Oh, I'm home. Changing into his Action Comics, you know, outfit. And speaking um, of, there's the new uh, second issue of Paul Cornell. Yeah, I, I, I like the, the the first one. I mean, and, and and David Finch, man. I mean, it is so cool to see these these, these, these this cover of uh, is that a Bizarro? Is that a just a Frankenstein I Superman? I, I don't know. It's I, I have no idea because the book. Actually, features Lex Luthor. So, it, right. just for people that don't know, that Lex Luthor has become the the lead in action. Lex Luthor is action comics, written by Paul Cornell, um, who is quite fun. Ooh, ouch. Um, yeah, but you know, David Finch has been doing these 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 these, these great covers. Um, I'm very excited. Again, I can't wait to read Torchwood. Uh, I, I picked that up as well. Did you read it yet? yet? No. Yet, um, yet no. But John Barrowman, uh, who is um, Captain Jack, I got the photo cover too. <laughs> Okay, let's let's let's. let's <laughs> <laughs> I actually this this was this was pulled for me, but uh, no, but. no, don't. Say. <laughs> it's Captain Jack. We're all okay with it. It's two thousand ten. I, 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 I do have an autographed picture of of of, of Yanto at home. <laughs> yeah, you're not helping your case. But. <laughs> But that was last year at Comic Con. Your he, lovely wife. He was just there. Your wife, wife, the lovely Susan Avaloni. You better not let, listen oh, to this. Oh, she, 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 she. she yeah, knows. she's concerned she about knows. my Torchwood things. But yeah, okay, um, it's Torchwood. Um, and um, artifacts. That's a new Top Cow. Yeah, crossover, I, I like. Yeah, I like this. The, you know, there was a fr- Comic Book Day freebie. I mean, and I and I, I liked it. This is the new. Uh, and okay. This is, this is you know. So I, I always love, especially for a company like Top Cow, which has a lot of. Uh, different characters. There's like a you know something that is a jumping on point, and we could say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, instead of Witchblade 104 or something to jump onto, which you know, although they've been very good about trying to start new stories, and you know, it, yeah. there's still a barrier. You know, if I haven't read this for 17 years, why am I joining it now? But uh, you know, this has kind of an epic. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, feel and the artifacts, you know, again gives you a sense of you're learning something about the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so that that, that that's kind of cool. I don't know anything about that. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm gonna get through the actually. Uh, uh, card just put down a side <laughs> book called Time Bomb, uh, uh, book one from Radical Comics. I actually have that in my stack from Comic Con. Uh, I stopped by their booth and and they, uh, they handed that to me, and I just I haven't had a chance. To uh, to read uh, the things I got from Comic Con, I was just. And are, are you re- are you reading Avengers? The uh, I started Avengers from and then I don't know what the heck I did that was dumb. Oh, well, I know what I was dumb. I like missed number two, and then I, I just and I saw number three was on the stand today, and I, and yeah. I how did I miss two? I I, I promised I re- I bought number one and said I'm going to give it at least three issues. Right. And I don't know what I, except I just think that right now there are so many good comics that I, I I'm spending more. Right on a weekly basis than I want to be. Right, and uh, well, and, and it's a little tough when they, I mean the, the relaunch of Avengers, New Avengers, Secret Avengers. It does raise some of those uh, those questions of of what people, um, you know, what what which book is which. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if they were going to go back to Avengers. I'm not sure they need still needed New Avengers because I think that's 
Mm-hmm. And there's the Secret Avengers, which and there Secret was before. And, uh, well, Secret Avengers, though, is a new, like Dark Avengers has a concept that makes sense. They right. are the Secret Avengers. Right. But, there's Avenger, but what are the differences? So are the Avengers the old Avengers? I guess they're going more for a classic feel. Look, I, I loved, uh, I mean, the first three issues. I mean, it's Bendis and John Romita, and, and it you know starts off with my, and I don't think this is a spoiler, right? We can talk about an issue that came out three months ago mm-hmm. uh, or two months ago. Absolutely. But, but the, you know, it, it's Kang. You know who, who, yeah. who? You know probably the last big Kang arc was Kurt Busiek, the Kang Dynasty. Uh, Avengers Forever. Oh uh, no! Well, Avengers Forever is is a, is a great self-standing book uh, that kind of tries to tie up all the sixties, seventies Kang Immortus stuff. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a love, a, you know, love poem to to what Roy Thomas was doing, and then mm-hmm. what everybody else mm-hmm. kind of screwed up afterwards. Um, and Steve Englehart. Um, and I, you know, and but he did Kang Dynasty during his yeah new run, and 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 now you know, and then um, and then we haven't seen Kang really since that, and and you know, so this is a time travel story. Mm-hmm. It's got Kang. It's got we're not really sure of everybody else who's 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 there, but it's also it's also got the plot of 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 of, of Back to the Future too. Uh, oh, it's your kids, right? <laughs> Isn't the maestro in there? The, uh, the, it seems it's the maestro. Yeah, it, it's like the big Hulk with the white hair. So yeah. yes, I don't. But I don't. But, but I don't know that he's been called the maestro. So I don't know if it's yeah. if it's a it's a misdirect. Is sort yeah. of my yeah. recollection. Okay. You also have Ultimate Mystery. I know nothing about this. So there's a lot. Of, I I got very confused by the Ultimate books. <laughs> after this, because you and I, what army? <laughs> I caused it was an Ultimate Ultimates and an Ultimate Avengers, and they were both going to be taking place at exactly the same time with. Some and there over. was Ultimate Avengers one through six, and instead of being followed by seven, they were followed by Ultimate Avengers two number one, which threw people off. Um, and then now, the, and now that's wrapping up, and there's going to be Ultimate Avengers three number one, and you know, and they're all by Mark Miller. But when you do that, it makes people think, oh, it must be by the, you know, the, the artists have right. changed. Oh, uh, and there's our fabulous X-Men. Matt Fraction, we're still running Uncanny. I didn't even know that. Yeah, no, this, 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 yeah, this is Uncanny, and this is the post second, first post-second coming issue. So, it, so uh, you that's, know... That's a mouthful. It is. The first post-second coming. And okay. it features rebuilding by Alan Heinberg and Oliver Coipel. And, and I always like Alan Heinberg. I loved the Children's Crusade. I don't know if you read that. Avengers mm-hmm. Children's Crusade, which is really a new Young Avengers book. Um, you know, it, it, you know, picking up sort of on you know the Young Avengers, which he did what twelve issues of with Jim. Yeah, well, Jim good Jones. book. I like great book. Yeah, Love and and Children's Crusade. I mean, I would catch if you are not haven't picked up the issue. You know, you might want to just catch the the the, the trade. But it, it, it's a it's it's a you know it, it you know it's a it, it's really good. I I'll mean, I wish, I, would, I wish they had called it. You know, again, they're doing all this Avengers branding. I would have liked them to have called it Young Avengers because I think then people who were reading the the Heinberg stuff uh, would mm-hmm. would have gotten Come back to it and realize what it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. And there's then there's Secret Avengers, which yeah. we just Se- said. yeah. Oh, there's a new um, there's a new detective out today that looks really uh, promising. Um, that uh, yeah, yeah, I David saw that. Hine and I think Scott McDaniel is the artist. So. And it and I think and if I recall the the solicitation, I mean the the, the 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 it's called the imposters, and I think it's with some of the villains gone. Some people are like impersonating Batman's villains. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I thought okay. that, that that was kind of an interesting thing. Yeah, well, lots, lots of brightest day stuff. Oh, here. for a lot of brightest day. Green Lantern, Justice League, Generation Lost, Green Arrow, 
Green Lantern Corps. Number 50. Flash. Flash. I can't believe I haven't read Flash yet, but, I mean, again, Comic-Con has put me so behind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I really have been digging the Flash book. Um, the Fantastic Four by Hickman has been really cool. I've been hearing a lot of good things about that. And it, it's interesting. He, he's using a device which I first saw. I mean, I, you know, he's... he's. Well, I don't know that I, I, I hate to... The, some of the inspiration for what he's doing seems to be a lot of what the inspiration for what Warren Ellis did for the four in Planetary and also for Ultimate Fantastic Four. Again, it's back to the idea that these are, you know, that they're explorers, that, you know, so each issue they're sort of encountering, I think there's a bigger arc to the story, but each issue they kind of encounter something weird and mysterious, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, and and he also does this thing, like I said, that Warren Ellis did in a couple issues of Planetary, I don't know if it's in this issue, but at the end of the story, he kind of gives you, like, some, like, sort of facts you need to know. Like, it doesn't sort of, you know, like, you know, um... You know, almost like, I mean, it's going to make it, like, at the end of Animal House, you know, mm-hmm. so-and-so went on to become, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it, but it's things like, you know, there are six inhabited planets in this solar system. You know, uh, you know, there are, you know, just like these, you know, it, and it, it, whether it all means something or not, you don't know, but it's just really interesting because it kind of creates, in introducing these new fantasy worlds, you know, and some of them are part of worlds we've seen before. You know, he's using stuff that's in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind but, of giving a redefinition. Give it, yeah, you know, I mean, taking, I think one of the issues had some of the, you know, yeah, there was an issue where they went back to the, you know, like the Inhumans part, you know, the blue area of the moon, and, you mm-hmm. know, I always liked that mm-hmm. thing from, like, the burn era, and that was kind of really interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, it, 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 I, I mean, I think the best stuff these days is, is coming out of the combination of taking what's there, because it's also rich. You know, you don't have to... You can't create a new Galactus, but if you can find a really new... Way to do something with it. Yeah, a new spin. Um, you know, you know, to sort of take... You know, again, it's what Alan Moore did, you know, and mm-hmm. everybody should, you know, with, 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 with you know, Swamp Thing, you know. It, 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 it's taking what you know and saying, well, it's not quite right. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, you can put a twist on it that makes the the the, the stuff just seem a little deeper and and, and richer, yeah. and then and then and then tell and then tell those stories. So you've got a character thing going on along with a new story. And, yeah. You know, and the Fantastic Four is always really hard because people always sort of fall into the thing. Well, I'll have them bicker and I'll have them break up and I'll have them bring in a new fourth member and you know. It, but you go back to yeah, it become the yeah. was it Mark Wade called them the Imaginots? Yeah, exactly. Mark Wade did some of that. There, there's a sequence here. I think I think we're, we're in one of the issues where Sue, um, you know, basically you know they they have to do some negotiating with Atlantis, and it's like, well, we have to send in Sue. And Reed's like, you know, I don't like to send in Sue for this. It's like, yeah, but you have to send in Sue. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who's and gonna it, talk to Namor? Yeah, more? I mean. And it, and it, and it's like, and it's one of those things. It's like again, it's one of the, these this relationship that's been steaming there for again fifty years, but to breathe new life into it, as opposed to you know, to to put another to take all that and put it in a different context, as opposed to doing a story where you know Namor comes back to try and steal her away. I mean, or something. You know, it's like yeah. that's been done a thousand times. Putting it in in a context of a diplomatic meeting where she's using her wiles because she knows. He's friendly toward her, quote unquote. <laughs> Shall we know? say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and finally, and like, you tell me about this. It's Batman: The Widening Guy. It's uh, Kevin Smith and Walt Flanagan. And I gave up after the first issue of it, Kevin Smith's first Cacophony. Cacophony. Yeah. This is one. I, I like Cacophony. I like that was a little crazy. This one actually is more. You know, here, like this is the kind. Here, I'll just show you this. 
This is going to the Fortress of Solitude. This is more, this one, as opposed to Cacophony, which I felt he went a little crazy with the, the Joker and, you know. That's what really turned me off. Yeah, no, a lot of people turn off. This is much more Silver Age. I mean, this has got, um, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, it's Batman and it's, you know, Batman and Robin, and Robin is Dick Grayson. I mean, he, this is more of a, you know, I mean, the Winding Geyer doesn't tell you that in the title, but it's like, you know, they're, they're fighting Killer Moth and stuff like that, you know, I mean, yeah. and, and, it, and it's more in the spirit of his Green Arrow, where it was like, okay, his love for DC continuity and stuff like that. So this would be one that, um, for those of us who did get turned off by the first one, by like, Cacophony, yeah, yeah. If, at this point it's at issue six, so let's say, um, well, yeah, it's a way for the trade. I, yeah, yeah, I think, I think, it's, I think definitely it's, it's, it's a good read, because Cacophony tied into the... Kevin Smith's Green Arrow that was at the end of the run that I don't think was as successful as the as Quiver. Right. And this sort of ties more into the the you know the 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 Quiver uh, kind of thinking of you know I mean again he wrote a, in Quiver he wrote a great scene where you know Oliver Queen you know uh, you know sees Black Canary for the first time after however many years he's been you know yeah. dead and calls her Pretty Bird you know, which was like the, the Elliot Magan thing from the yeah. 70s Justice League stories, and she goes, you know, she's like, she's, I started crying, she's crying in the book, and it's like, you know, I've been, you know, I've been waiting for years for someone to call me that. Yeah, have you, uh, have you ever looked across the dinner table and <laughs> called the lovely Susan Avalone? No, no, I, I'm crying because I've been waiting for years for someone to call me Pretty Bird. <laughs> I relate to Black Canary in this one. Uh, Susan and I didn't have a conversation. Um, I would do it now, but this is being recorded and that's awkward. Sure. And you asked for it. You know, <laughs> you can't do that. So, <laughs> so we've gone over the comics. We, <laughs> we always do. We always do. Uh, so, um, if you've enjoyed this, and we'd like to start a petition to bring Carr to Northern California, <laughs> uh, because the rest of the crew really does want to be able to sit down someday with you. And <laughs> They're not quite sure you're real. Right. Uh, you might, you might. I could be just a devastatingly great this, ventriloquist. This is like the, you mean this is the Phil Hentry show? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah, no, that's like, uh, uh, for those of us in Northern California. We'll trust us that I got that reference. Um, Do you, we, okay. we don't really have. Yeah, he's. He's. Na- I thought he was national. He right? is, but he's never really made okay. an impact in in Northern California. So. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, we, normally we do podcasts out of Elusive Comics and Games, 2725 El Camino Real Suite 104 in Santa Clara, where uh, I'll be rejoining the rest of the crew next week and, and bringing you the normal, oh, this is normal, uh, you know, we're grateful for this. And if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. If you say that you miss Lon, write into sandpaper at uh, fanboyplanet.com and know that next week he'll be back. Uh, so... Thank Carr for uh, Carr D'Angelo for this for this annual. I'm Derek McCott, editor in chief. Say good night to the people, Carr. Good night, people. <laughs> and remember, of Earth One. And remember, use your powers only for good. Don't tell me, don't tell me. Oh, no, 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 no. Damn it, damn it, damn it. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com.